Hello, and welcome to episode 123 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always. The man, the myth, the lousy nickel nurser, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. So, the whole Justin Timberlake being a movie star thing is just over, huh? Oh, wow. That was a thing, right? For a minute? Yeah. He's a voice. He's a voice, isn't he, in uh, in Trolls? He could very well be, but... Uh, He's got that Trolls he, movie coming out or not coming out? All I know is he has out. not been in a live-action movie, like, in a substantial role in quite some time. Hmm. On this week's episode, things we're watching, which I'm assuming Al is going to get to, things we're doing, and some other light news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, The Rocketeer. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Uh, we are drinking an Al's Ale. It's the brown ale. <laughs> that was dangerous. <laughs> see, I could see it on yours, too. I could see the, the that little vapor. Uh, I, I opened cool. right before we started recording, because that's usually what we've been doing for quite some time now. But Anthony wants to get that I little... I closed uh, my eyes. That swing top pop on live air. It's just so nice. It's also... It's also what we used. Um, it's in the sound, one of the sound clips that we used because it was the most satisfying one to clip together. Yes. Um, the thing is, when I properly carbonate them, they all have a satisfying pop. But there was one or two of them. I don't even remember which beer it was, but I know we did it on the show. Um, you remember that one that sounded like a cannon going off when I opened it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the one that exploded. Well, my beer Just didn't air. explode when I opened it. But it sounded mm. like it was going to. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> uh, do I have to worry about pouring this whole thing out? No, I mean, it's just some, like, dead yeast cell, so that's just up to you. Um, oh, God. I don't understand how you can string words together to make them sound that disgusting. Like, I know yeast already is disgusting. Oh, so they, it always the seems yeast. to catch you anytime I say the word yeast. There was wild yeast... There's the wild yeast is is more funky than upset. Well, yes, wild yeast is often funky. You're right, but it's the uh, what did you call this one? Uh, dead, dead yeast. yeast cells. Yes, dead yeast cells. Yeah, that I, I don't want any. Would of it that. have been better if I called them uh, dead yeast husks? No, it's it's the dead <laughs> yeast that's really the problem. It's the crux for of it. you. It's really just the yeast. Another word that I don't care for: crux. Uh, actually, I kind of <laughs> like crux. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a fan of crux. This is. Frothy. Yeah, it's, this looks like a milkshake. Uh, not a milkshake. A root beer float type situation. It's got a rich head to it. Um, it smells just delightful. If I can be so bold as to say so about my own beer. Oh boy! Right. I'm really excited about this. I've heard nothing but good on, things. Uh, on on the nose. That's that's toffee. Yeah, on the nose we got some toffee, which is exactly what I wanted in this. It's not always present in browns. It's present in the best browns. Um, there's some toffee, there's some coffee, there's some caramel. It's r- nice and roasty mm. to the to the nose. It, it kind of reminds me of yep. when you when you get a good steaming cup of black coffee, but like good black coffee, but mm-hmm. also with the toffee. You want to take a little sip, oh, sip of this bad boy? Not yet. I just want to breathe <laughs> it in. <laughs> uh, so then let's talk about the let's talk about the color. It's drink it in. <laughs> let's talk about the color. It's. Probably the third most clear of the beers that I've made. Um, I don't have all the proper chilling and finding uh, agents that I'd like to get this to be crystal clear. Uh, it's okay mm. as long as it doesn't look like swamp water. I'm usually okay with it. Nah, this is a this is a solid Manhattan special look we got going on. Yeah, here. yeah, um, and then it's a pretty dark beer anyway, so it's gonna be hard to see through. Um, Sorry, I'm just admiring you, admiring the smell of the beer. Oh my god, it smells so you good. You are smelling that beer so aggressively. <laughs> I want to eat the foam with I mean, a spoon. There's nothing stopping you. <laughs> I 
my lack of spoon is really all that stuff. Yeah, I suppose so. You could probably come up with a spoon-like instrument, right? Yeah. All right. I'm going to taste it. Ready? Cheers. Cheers. Ow. (laughs) Ow. Is this one top of the leaderboard? You've outdone yourself, sir. Um, I'm not sure if this came out to be exactly 100% what I wanted it to be. But that being said... It's unquestionably on the Rushmore of Al's Ales, if not the clear-cut winner. Oh my god. This is so good. It's really good. I'm so excited for you to one day make me a hazy IPA. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've thought about it. I think maybe once we get more towards... So the thing, though, is when I do the hazy IPA, I want you to come up and do it with me. Oh, 100%. um, Yeah. it's It's really up to you, I suppose. Okay. Um, that being well, said, uh, I am going to be I'll brewing be a new Owl's oh Ale this weekend, most likely. <gasps> Continue. What are you going to make? Uh, a sh- like a Belgian strong golden ale. Belgian strong gold. Is that like the, mon- the, the victory golden monkey? Yeah, kind of similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Al, I got it. All right. Quick question. Uh, side tangent. Do you remember Mario 64? Uh, yeah, I didn't play it a ton because I've never owned an N64, but I'm right, familiar so- with it generally. Yes. If you could follow me, follow me on this journey. So uh, you, you start off in the, you get in the castle where you got to jump into the picture of the frames. You go in the picture frames, you do the levels, you get the stars, you unlock doors, right? Yeah. That's the basic premise of the game. Uh, there's a door at the top of the steps when you enter the castle. I think it's like one of the last main doors that you go to uh, that will open up like the, the top section of the castle. Actually, no, it's not the last, but uh, it opens up at the upper part of the castle. When you get all the way, all the way, all the way to the top of the castle, in the last level before you go up the stairs to Bowser's final level, there's this one called, like, Rainbow Something or Other is the level name. I don't remember exactly what it's called. It's like, it's up there. There's a clock level. There's, like, a water level. There's this rainbow cloudy level, right? Jump through the, you go in there. The clouds in that level Mm -hmm. are currently floating on the top of my (laughs) view. And they are delightful. <laughs> this look, it looks like this. The I'm gonna hang on. I'm gonna take a picture of this so that we can actually use it. Oh yeah, I forgot. Uh, I should probably take a picture of this beer because there's no picture exists on the internet, and I don't feel like taking it. But uh, the froth of this beer looks like N64 clouds. That's what I'm getting at, and it's so nice. I gotta get a few more shots of this. It really, it's really something special. Well done, sir. Yeah, uh, I am a huge fan of it. It's funny because when I first tasted it, I always taste a very small amount, maybe an ounce or two, mm. when um, I'm like bottling it, and it's right. warm. It's still a little bit green. It's not carbonated, um, but it's still just nice to get a little. And I was like, oh, you know, this came out pretty good. Like, we'll we'll have to see what you know it, it tastes like once it's ready because it's still gonna age a minimum of two more weeks. Still got to carbonate. It's got to cool down. Get you know all that. Um, it's so good, and it feels weird for me to like say that sort of thing about my own beer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially on like a podcast, however many people are listening to, <laughs> um, to toot my own horn that way. Especially when like none of them can take like, is it really that good? You know what I mean? Like none of them can like drink it along with us, like the other beers we did, sure if they if they so chose, right? Um, this beer is really really good, and I am very happy with how it came out. I the I mean the only way that I can think to explain it is uh, how it well, first off other than being very tasty the word uh, it just it feels balanced to me all of the different things that I like are there and they're they're all working very well together 
Yeah, and it's a style of beer that I really like, even though, like, you don't see a lot of brown ales, I feel like, unless you're really actively no. looking for it. Um, no. I've really only had a couple of them. I love Newberg's uh, brown ale. Um, and, like, other than that, I've had, like, two or three. The only other ones I can really think of off the top of my head uh, is the one we've done on the show that I also love, the hazelnut brown um, from Rogue. Yeah. Which was really mm-hmm. good. Um, and then, like, Newcastle, which is a solid beer. Sure. Yeah, it's just a basic. That one yeah. le- leans towards the toffee, so to a certain extent, I get that similarity with this one. But it this one has more of the coffee roastiness to it than I feel like that one does. That reminds me a little bit mm-hmm. more of, like, Newberg. Because theirs yeah, leans right. much towards the roastiness. There's a solid. But this is this is where it's at for me. Um, How many thumbs? There, I, I, all of the thumbs. All of the thumbs. <laughs> all, all four. Uh, they, <laughs> it's funny. I so Newberg, I was all, like all excited. I, you know, they're, they're shipping. Yes, beer. I got an order on and Sunday. I when I sent you the that link to it, I had already just ordered myself. Uh, so we will have at least. Three new Newberg beers to do in the coming future when I give you the ones we have. We got the Perfect nice. Wheat. Um, there are two other collaboration beers. I forget which ones I have. I think CIA Boss and mm-hmm. Captain Boss with Captain Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And the other ones with mm-hmm. the Culinary mm-hmm. Institute's Brewery. Uh, they have another one coming out this weekend. It's, I think, Relic Boss with Relic Brewing. There, I'm not, I'm not familiar with them. Mm. So I went on the website after you sent it to me, and I was like, I mean, surely they won't ship here. Well, you are outside of the radius. They were very explicit in what the radius of their deliveries are. Well, sure. But (laughs) they did not change their forms, and I was able to put my information in. They canceled And I was like, let's see what happens. And I, I put a lot of beer in the cart, like a lot and <laughs> and processed it and it went through and i was like no <laughs> and then the next morning it was like nah and i was like oh man <laughs> well so here's the thing though and maybe maybe your order might have tipped them to do this but they've been very vocal on facebook the past week or so since they decided to close down the, the tap house at you know the tap room and also start up this whole delivery system because they've never done this before um, sure. They said that if you had a sufficiently sized order, they were open to negotiate to delivering elsewhere mm. outside of the range. Um, mm. But also, if you really want it badly, you could just reimburse me and I'll bring it to you when I see you. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> I know. It was more about the convenience. There's a lot of things that you'll just order because of the convenience. Sure. Uh, but. You know, maybe go check out on Facebook their last several posts. Cause the other day, I feel like I remember seeing that they said if you have a sufficiently large order, that they were open to negotiation for delivery. I'll take the Noah's Ark. <laughs> uh, the the <laughs> only thing was like for me, I ordered it like around noon, two o'clock, something like that on Saturday, and I got it Sunday morning. God, I really Sunday. thought I thought you were going to say noon thirty. I really thought you were going to say it. <laughs> Yeah, noon 30. Uh, I got it at about 10.30 the next morning, so quick turnaround. Nice. That being said, they're yeah. only delivering to 22. Well, they're delivering a 22-mile radius, they said. Um, the thing is, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm well within, um, the thing is, I just assumed that it was getting so popular. In fact, I bought one of the very last 
one of the boss collaboration ones. One of those two I got one of the very last of. Uh, I just assumed that the orders were stacking up so much that they might fall off their promise of one of next day delivery. Um, sure. Because I just figured they weren't. Like, it's like three or four people in cars doing the deliveries. Like, they're not renting a truck yeah. to do this. <laughs> like, someone in, like, mm-hmm. a sedan dropped off three, you know, packs of... Very shady. To, to <laughs> oh, it's all people who work. It's not like they just contracted people. Like, it's all people who work, no, yeah. family members of people who work there. So, I love that Just place. the idea of somebody pulling up in, like, a sedan with <laughs> your beer delivery, dropping it out your stoop. See, I've already, been exposed, I've already been exposed to that because that's what Tavor does. They have mm. that, like, UPS last mile or whatever the hell it is. Or FedEx last mile. What is it, like a courier service or something? Yeah, it's basically Uber for delivering packages. Like, where it, right. like, ships to, like, a UPS facility or FedEx. I forget which, which company it is that does it. Um, and then they, like... Like, you basically switch on, like, an Uber. Like, oh, I can deliver between this time and this time. And then they tell them, and, like, someone in their car goes and picks it up from the facility and then drives it to your house. How do they get away with shipping all of that? I have no idea. Uh, The rules Hmm. on that must have changed. The laws on that must have changed somewhat recently. Because for the longest time, you were not allowed to ship. Uh, And it's why I never looked into doing that to trying to sell Alzel's more... Hmm widespread it's why i've never looked to advertise to actually sell my stuff to anyone outside of like word of mouth because right um there used to be pretty strict rules on like that have been on the book since the age of prohibition that you couldn't ship over state lines without proper licensing mm. interesting well anyway I, i've got i've got you to make me beer so it works <laughs> This is, well, you're welcome. You're welcome to come well. up and enjoy, even in this time of isolation and quarantine. You can come up this weekend or next weekend if you're free, and we can do the beer. Uh, I am doing no weekend work because um, you know I work at restaurants and bars, and they all close right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> that being said, again, I am still considered essential personnel, and I am still working like fifty to sixty hours a week <laughs> during the week in public, unfortunately, because I can't do my job from home. Um, but sure. I also sure. appreciate very much that I haven't been laid off. <laughs> you're on a you're on a webcam. No, no, no. Up, 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 up. <laughs> Could you imagine? Um, <laughs> That's it. My left. My left. <laughs> no, your other left. <laughs> well, that's great. What are we? Uh, what, 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 what are you doing with yourself? What are you? What's up? What do you mean? <laughs> I told I told Al before this. I was like, let's just like we, we're just throwing everything by the wayside. We're just free freeform because there's not a lot of movie. News. Well, so before we get to the freeform, let me give you my one new. Oh, okay. I don't know if you saw this the other day. I purposely didn't say anything to you because I, at the time, I knew I was going to put it in my notes to do for the show, and then I forgot what it was, so I couldn't tell you about it. Um, the Mandalorian. Aliens and Terminator star Michael Bean joins season two cast. In addition to the earlier casting of Rosario Dawson as a live action Ahsoka Tano. Wait, that was, I didn't even realize that that officially happened. Yes. Oh, so this story was on the wrap. It was from like Tuesday or something like that. He's who I think he is, right? Michael Bean. Uh, He's from Terminator. He's Kyle. That's cool. Um, Michael Bean, best known for starring in James Cameron's The Terminator and Aliens, has been... He was the head of the Marines in Aliens as well. 
mm. uh, has been cast in the second season of The Mandalorian, the rap has confirmed. Details about Bean's role are being kept under wraps. Making, making Star Wars, which first reported the news, said Bean will portray, quote, a bounty hunter from the Mando's past. Last, nice. last week, Rosario Dawson joined the second season of The Mandalorian as Ahsoka Tano, the Jedi character introduced as Anakin Skywalker's Padawan during the animated series Star Wars The Clone Wars. Dave Filoni, who directed the pilot for The Mandalorian, has written many other episodes and is a key creative voice in the Disney Plus series. He also co-created Clone Wars. The series was created by John Favreau and featured episodes directed by Taika Waititi, Bryce Dallas Howard, Deborah Chow, and Rick F- F- Fukuyama. I don't think that's... I'm pretty sure that's not his last name. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Famuyawa. All <laughs> uh, <Not> right. <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Uh, more news about that is great. Um, though, I like, that's surely going to be delayed. Well, what's her name? Gina Carano rapped on shooting a couple of weeks ago. She put out something on Instagram that she rapped shooting for the second season. Oh. So it's entirely possible that they've already shot and it was just finally it was leaked out that they Oh, they're like doing announcements slowly to trickle out like that 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 could be the case. I don't know for a fact. It's uh, possible that they've only they've cert- they've shot certain episodes like cuz they you know they don't always shoot in order, right? Like they may have shot certain episodes mm-hmm. with certain members of the cast and maybe the rest of it'll be delayed. I don't know. I have not heard about that one being that one in particular being suspended. Uh, I know like 95% of other things that are being shot have been suspended so i, I mm-hmm. don't know for a fact what the the shooting status of the mandalorian is i probably should have looked that up before we started but again i forgot what this new was until I that, fired well that could be the one thing night. that we talk about next week yes <laughs> <laughs> anyway i thought that uh, would be cool i didn't know if you'd heard about either of those characters. no that's that's pretty cool um i'm excited i obviously like i, I enjoyed the first season a lot it's uh, it's funny because as far as the Rosaria Dawson casting, um, she has been pretty publicly saying for a couple of years now that she wanted to play her in the live action. And in a corresponding bit of news that I forgot to look up, because again, I forgot this was one of my news. Um, there, there was, after her casting was announced, there was a story that basically intimated that this is being treated as a soft pilot for her own Disney Plus live action show down the line um that's pretty cool yeah um the, the it's that's a cool casting it's cool that that for whatever reason she wanted to play her so badly uh it's a little disappointing that Ashley Eckstein doesn't get to also play her because she, you know, she has always wanted to play her in live action she reprised mm-hmm. her for her line in the end of episode 9 during Ray's connection with the force um but uh it's cool to see her being brought over from, you know, someone who I was super annoyed by her early on in the Clone Wars. I believe that was a feeling that was shared among many people who watched it. And then she became one of the absolute fan favorites of that show once the show got fully into its groove. Mm. Um, She is a good character. She's a strong character. Her arc in the final season just started, of the Clone Wars, just started last week. Uh, They'll follow it for a few episodes including starting tomorrow um, mm-hmm. or continuing tomorrow. Um, I'm a little confused by the pace of the final season of the Clone Wars because I believe it's only 12 episodes and the first four was all on one storyline, which right. means they're likely only doing three storylines then. Mm-hmm. At most four, because they're 
from like the third season on, all their story arcs went three or four episodes or five even. So with right. only twelve. Well, you'd have to assume that the finale would probably not be singularly focused, right? Um, unless it's going to launch something well, else. Well, the thing is, the Clone Wars episodes have always been singularly focused. Huh, they've right. they've never done multiple storylines in an episode or even in an arc. Like hmm. they may have more than one place that they like jump to, um, but it's all within one story. Like it might jump from say a squad of clones and. Anakin and Obi-Wan, but both of them will be, both of those storylines are servicing the same story. You know what I mean? Like, they're localized in the same area. Um, Right. You're not jumping back to just Coruscant, like, something else going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. I, um, it it sounds interesting. I'd I'd like to see it, but I feel, obviously, that I would have to watch the rest of it first. Well, it's all on Um, Disney+. Plus. Um, Now, you, like me, are still working through this because you always work from home, so, um... I'm guessing that your work still carries on in the way it should be. Oh, my work uh, carries on and and then some. Um, <laughs> our our domain is is pretty significant right now. So uh, um, yes, it is. Well, um, I wasn't sure exactly how, or if you had gotten to the point where like it was relevant. Like I didn't know mm, if you actually. It's it's more that it will be relevant. So that's it's, what I thought. Um, yeah, but um, I figured you and Damien would probably be safe because you guys work from home. But then again, the yeah. people who you are working for, I wasn't sure if they all work from home. So I didn't know if that would affect yeah. no, what the, you're the, the whole com- my whole company is remote. Okay. Um we have an office for certain things that are being set up, but there's only one person in it right now as they build out. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. There's only five of us. Six sixth person is joining. Oh nice. Next week. Well that's good. <laughs> it's tiny. I dig it. Um, it's funny, uh, other, well, I guess there are, there is some other movie news, uh, and that is that there's a lot of stuff that's being pushed to digital releases sooner rather than later. Yes. Um, for instance, uh, that movie, The Gentleman, I've actually really wanted to see it and is either now or soon available to purchase or rent, which is pretty cool. And I, I mean, if you think about it, the idea of like spending a lot of money on marketing, and then not being able to release the movie if people are f- aware of it, that's you, it's got to be your best bet, right? Because you don't want to spend that money again to remarket it and have it go out at another time. Well, not only that, but actually this exact period of time is probably the best time to experiment with this because most of these movies, not all, but most of these movies coming out in this window are movies that aren't expected to blow out the box. Oh, 100%. Office. So yeah. it doesn't pay to sit on that and then release it in say the summer when it's going to get swallowed up by something else more important right yeah it's it's it's, it's cool though um i i like to see this i'm actually gonna i'm gonna take advantage of it a little bit it'll be get, cool get if they drop the prices going. a bit because i saw them talking about like renting it for 20 bucks essentially and it's like no no make this like ten dollars we'll, oh no we'll, we'll talk. Uh, i saw it on it was 15 bucks to own oh okay uh so what, wait, pretty... wait which one was that movie that the gentleman that was the guy Ritchie movie but that one already had a theatrical release. Uh, it did, but I'm pretty sure it was cut. Well, it was cut short for whatever reason. But that, <laughs> it probably was, was that, cut that, short because it didn't out, do well. Did that come out in 2020 or was that in like December? No, that was like a, that was like a few weeks ago. Oh, because I remember reading a review for it before I started my new job, and I've been there. Yesterday was literally one month that I've been there, so um, hmm. I couldn't remember if that started in like if that 
if that released in like January or if it was December. No, uh, it was it was more recent than that. Um, because I had intentions of seeing it, and then the movie theater was closed. Um, that that's pretty cool though. I'm 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 interested in some of that stuff coming out just so that I could watch it. Um, and I'm happy to buy them too because it's like at that point, it's I don't know a few bucks more than the movie ticket. Yeah. So then you just own it. Uh, one of the interesting things that's come out of this, uh, as you know, I go to these these screeners, these screenings for these movies. Now they're doing them remotely, which is kind of cool. Uh, I got one I actually just watched today, and it was uh, while the quality of the movie was just horrendous. Like it's like a, it is standard definition. It's not good. <laughs> it's like it was very, it was very cheaply cheap looking. Um, and that's probably because they had to reprocess it to throw my email in the center of the screen for the entire movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to make sure that I don't distribute it, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, I dare say it improved the film. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but no, it was, uh, you know, they can't all be winners. Uh, what do you want for free? I was wondering if it, I was wondering <laughs> if you had to like stream it so like too many people were doing it and it like killed the quality. But no, mm. it's not that they just gave you a really shitty resolution. Like no, it was it was still streamed. It wasn't a download. It was streamed from wherever they have it, which is definitely part of the reason why they went lower quality because they have to do a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but it is. It was funny though. The I was like, this is I, when when it started. It's just like my email just just right, dead center on the screen. I was like. I was like, that's going to be the whole movie. And it was. But every once in a while, it'll pop up somewhere else for a split second. And I think they did that just in case you got cute and tried to cut it out. <laughs> that you would might maybe miss a frame where it just pops in in like the top right corner. <laughs> it's funny because now I'm thinking of when they spliced in the one frame of the dick in the uh, yeah in Fight Club. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's what it, what it looked like. But I'm. Uh, it's funny because when I when when these things come, this is actually great because when these things come through, I get a lot of them, and I've ter- I've just not went through on a bunch of them because they just didn't sound appealing to me. This one didn't sound great, but I was like, "You're watching okay. it from home. like I don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. Like I just got to put it on." So I uh, watched it during dinner, and uh, I assume that I'll get a survey tomorrow. <laughs> but nice. it was it was it was pretty cool. Uh, to, the 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 way it was done. Um, when when the movie is released. We'll talk about it. I was saying, are you allowed to say anything? Nothing? No. No. Can you Not name, even title, I can, don't think, uh, anymore. Uh, say title, can you name, not all of the cast, but one single actor or actress? No. Uh, and not because I'm not sure I'm not allowed to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because uh, it, was, it was a pretty no-name cast. There was a couple of faces that I recognized, but otherwise it was... Oh, a couple of those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a there was a what, there was a what, ringer. What's she in? What's she in? There was an a, a oh ringer no, article. she just reminds me of X or Y. <laughs> <laughs> there was a ringer article a few months ago about the it was like the top forty those guys, and it yep. was you know that guy or girl you know who has been in a million things, but you unless you're like a movie nut, you may not know the person's name. You're just like oh you know that guy from that thing you know. Right, yeah, and then you open up IMDb, and you search for the person, and you scroll, 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 and you go, oh, right. Yep. <laughs> this is pretty much every other day for me. <laughs> Who are you? I've been doing that a lot with The Sopranos. I started watching that. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. I'm, I was surprised you all of a sudden, like, I feel like you were kind of, like, you've been watching stuff, but I feel like you've been, like, mm-hmm. stuck in, like, a couple of things you were watching, and then all of a sudden, the last three weeks, you've been blowing through shows. 
Yeah, yeah. Just just burning it down. Like Bojack. Burning down the catalog. Bojack, High Fidelity, Sopranos. There was a couple other things, too. Bojack fell off. I still haven't gotten back to it. Oh, really? uh, High Fidelity. High Fidelity, I'm done with. Um, which we can get it actually is what started the Sopranos. It's a quick watch. Um, on account of their joking around about it. And and they were right. Like the like the one character was right. He's like, stop talking about it and watch it. Yeah. Like stop stop saying, you know. So it so we did. Uh we started. Um I'm assuming that I'll get into it at some point. Uh right now I'm not I'm not it's fine. I mean it takes a minute to get going, but the first few seasons are what's really great by the end. It's still good. It's mostly just you're so deeply invested in what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, if you're at that stage at that point, like, you're, you know, you're just, okay, let me know how it ends. Like, I want to know who survives, who doesn't, where sure. where it all goes. Uh, the quality is a bit diminished, but the first, like, two or three seasons are really, really excellent, so. Mm, well, I'm going to have to, the, 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 it's, it's, I'm not sold on it. I will tell you that. Um, I'm not itching to watch the next episode. Well, it can be a tough watch because it's a very dark show. I mean, it's not the type of show where you're like, oh, man. Like, I mean, like, there's yeah, certain storylines. You, you understand, though, you know me well enough to know that that's not what I'm necessarily looking for. Uh, I don't think that it's doing a tremendous amount well. It just seems a little flat right now. I think that it's ramping up. I could see where things are starting to go. And some of the background stuff is interesting. Some of the actually the politics of it are probably the most interesting part. Well, um, that's what it is. They have to pl- set up a lot of that early on. So that's that, yeah, and that, and that's fair. I'm just hoping that it gets there. Um, I assume from every the way that everybody talks about the show that it will get there. I think it, it is gonna. It's unfortunate. The bar is is just really high. So I'm well. The, so we'll the see. one thing I'll say is it's a legacy show. In you mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's one of those ones where some of its value is in that. So many of the shows we love wouldn't exist without it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's sometimes people go. I'm not saying this is the case with you, but sometimes people go into it expecting something slightly different than what it actually is. It's not actually a show about the mob, uh, which you, no. you're probably already realizing. Um, it's a show about a man who's been tortured his whole life. And has found different ways to cope with that and all of the fallout that that ensues in all of the people surrounding him. And how he Mm -hmm. comes to grips with the fact that uh, despite him having so much money and power, he hates himself and hates everyone around him so much. You know what I mean? And and what it takes for him to live on a day-to-day basis. To push that down to keep doing what it is that he's doing. Um, I had no idea. I knew that uh, there was like an important part of the show being his therapy sessions. I did not know just how important, just how many of them mm-hmm. there were. Um, and often those are the most compelling scenes in an, in a given episode. Yeah. They, they, they bounce a lot like emotionally in those scenes, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. The two, the two things that I think are the two things that are working for me right now are the politics behind the mob characters in the show. And, Obviously, all on it's not the therapy stuff is not just him though. There's a lot of it going on with a lot of characters. They're just not in front of a therapist, which is actually kind of cool. I think yeah, but the, in, of, the interplay, the majority between, of it is a, is a deep dive into that. So sure, um, the, but the interplay between Tony and Doctor Melfi is mm-hmm. a lot of the strongest uh, written stuff dial, from a dialogue perspective. 
perfor- sure. performances. They have great chemistry on screen, whether they're getting along or whether they're being incredibly antagonistic towards each other. Um, mm-hmm. They are often the most compelling storylines that go on. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Obviously, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna stick with it. But like I said, I'm not. We're probably about five episodes in, and I'm not like. I want to drop everything to go watch it, but that's fine. Well, it's the type of show where I don't know that you necessarily, like, enjoy yourself watching it. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't have that itch to... I don't have the itch to continue. I have more of... I feel more of an obligation at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that happens. Um, But we'll we'll see, because I also know that... I, I know how bumpy a first season can be, and it while... It's starting to come together a little bit more, and the characters are starting to, I feel like, communicate on screen better. I, it, I feel like it took them a little bit of time to get like to get each other's personalities like on set, which is a little I don't I I don't I can't exactly put my finger on it, but it's it's I the only way that I was able to describe everything up until this point was bumpy, but it's starting to smooth out. Yeah, so we'll see where it goes. I could but, see uh, that. Yeah, so that watching that. That's that's what's going on right now. Um I am all up to date on Jits Creek, which continues to be tremendous. Yeah, I, I, I literally watched the newest episode right before I came down and turned on the computer, so it's just so silly. The show is so silly. <laughs> and heartfelt. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, it's all over the It place. was nice this week them finally giving Roland his moment to be yeah. serious and to kind of been waiting for that. Take a stand cuz like they couldn't really end the show with him being that fluffy of a character. Mm-hmm. Um it was nice to let him have his one moment to shine. But and just the the perfect way of doing that by sending him back into an office to get his empty briefcase. Like that's like that's the perfect <laughs> way to get Roland to shine. You know what? It, Roland shit. I would say it was very Andy Dwyer that whole sequence, <laughs> but just more eloquent once he decides mm-hmm. to open his mouth. Absolutely. Oh man, that just makes me want to watch uh, Parks and Rec over and over again. I, <laughs> I love that just so much. I'm actually I'm looking forward to rewatching this. Uh, these this weekly twenty four minutes is is brutal. I want so I want more <laughs> of it. It's because it's so funny. It's funny watching it on TV. Even with like a lot of times I've been watching it as a recording and fast forwarding for whatever reason, the episodes feel shorter watching it on TV than uh, I did watching it. On what is that about? Is it is it that you're wa- you're normally watching more than one in a row? Maybe maybe uh, I'm used to binging. Uh, that's what I, that's my guess. Show and now I'm watching it week to week. So. Yeah, because you could sit down for a session and be halfway through a season because they're, you know, they're they're short episodes. Yes, that exact thing happened to but. me on a couple of the seasons where like it's like oh, yeah. <laughs> like I'm not doing anything on like this Thursday night. Let's watch an episode or two of Shit's Creek and season three. <laughs> yeah, and it's like oh wow, I just watched six episodes. Like, well here we are. Oh mm. man, I'm uh, I am looking forward to rewatching that. Um, did finish High Fidelity. All right, thoughts. Uh pretty good i wasn't i wasn't like i don't think it's like incredible um there are there are certain things that it does well i think the a very strange thing about it is that the supporting cast is the best part of the show i think that's both a bug and a feature it seems to be um and and also that you had you had flagged early on that there was going to be a simon episode yeah and when that episode arrived Man, <laughs> really, really good. One of the best episodes of the season. So good. 
Uh, also, is it what's her name? Uh, is it Charisse? Yeah. Uh, just, just give her an Emmy. Like, just so great, <laughs> so funny. Well, that's what I said. I told you, you know, last week because you know I let you kind of talk about what were your impressions for the first two episodes, and she was really the only like major player you didn't mention, and that's why I said, okay. hey. What about her? Because she cracked me up every time she's on screen, at least the first like five episodes, um, mm-hmm. which she did. And then she takes a back seat, especially in the Simon episode. Um, right. And then you see why there's it's not like, hey, we forgot about her. It's, oh, there's something she's... serious going on here where right. she sometimes got the short end of the stick in all the storylines. And it seems very obvious that they want to set it up where she can be the forefront i would imagine that in a second season she'll get her own episode mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah that'd be cool she went through maybe the most substantial change of all three characters despite some of it happening off screen well you know it's funny uh in the first obviously because it was only i was only two episodes in early on in the show uh she's she is one note she's making those jokes they are funny don't get me wrong they're funny but it's just like okay this is just who this character is and then third episode and going forward there's so much more there, and that that ends up she ends up being a, a tremendous character. And, and again, like I said, bug and design, right? We're a bug and feature, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, that kind of sucks. Like she's funny, but one note, and it's like, oh, it's all a front. No, we're getting to her later. Like, don't you worry, we're yeah. we're gonna get there. Like mm-hmm. this, there's more to this story. Um, and so, like, what? Why this show resonated with me so much, uh, or a couple of the reasons, is. Yes, I don't think anything that happened in it was super groundbreaking, right? I don't think there was any massive plot twists. Maybe just the one um, plot twist about Rob and Mac's relationship um, when Mm -hmm. we finally hear that at the end. um, Which wasn't like earth-shattering, but it surprised me a little bit, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, But what I felt... It wasn't so much the what that surprised me as the when. Yes, um, <laughs> that's true. Um, but what drew to me drew me to this show was, I think there are so many intangible things that are hard to put my finger on that working together created just such a vibe around this whole show that clicked for me. Like it's hard to just point. Like you know, some shows you'd be like, characters, great. Uh, you know, or mm-hmm. writing, great, or man, this story, or man, this action, or whatever. Like, oh, it's so funny, it cracks me up all the time. And it had bits of all of that, right? Um, and mm-hmm. there were some one-off things or some recurring things that were really good. But I think it was just an overall vibe created by how lived in this very, very small world felt. Yeah, right? There fair. was so many attention mm-hmm. to details, background things, character things, like places like kept keep going to the same bar type of thing. Uh, coming back, having that, that anchor that we keep returning to of the record shop, like all that sort of stuff. The, just the little interpersonal squabbles where like these things could pick up in a moment. It's like, man, I'm like that with my friends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, there were so many little intangible things that made this feel like such a real story to me. Um, that is what made it click for me so much. I thought the performances were good, but not like no one's winning an like an Emmy for this. You know what right. I mean? I thought the writing was solid, but it wasn't, you know, better call Saul, Breaking Bad, or what or Mad Men, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um there it was funny, but it's not a full blown comedy. There was right. heart string tugging moments, but it wasn't 
like an, a tearjerker. It just it did everything competently, and it created this whole picture, this whole vibe that resonated with me. I I felt this show for whatever reason. Yeah, well, I, I could I could totally see that. There were just there were certain things that I did really like about it. I obviously mentioned uh, that well, one of the reasons I really like Simon just because he's just a genuinely good person, and yes. I, I feel like it's hard to, it's hard to do that in a show or a movie without that person feeling flat. Yeah, um, he's got obviously got his things, and I don't know, he's just he he's just very good at heart. Well, he's a, he's uh, another one right where it's like, and I can't speak to your particular experiences with your romantic life and you're now happily married um mm-hmm. and you and kim never went through anything like what him and simon and, and his you know entanglements right. went through right but and certainly to know that i've never gone through the level of things that he went through in by no stretch but i've been through you know where there's that person you just can't quit even though it would be mm. best for you um sure and certainly not over as long a period of time um and that resonated with me in a real way, yeah. despite the fact that, like, he's a gay man living in the city, and I'm a straight man living not in the city. You know what I mean? Right. Our ex- specific experiences were very different, but the template's the same. You know what I mean? Well, that th- that's the that is probably the underlying an underlying uh, draw that there is to the show that you maybe not even you don't even realize there is you can connect with each character on some level or another. Um, and just the way, because they are all, they're all different psyche, right? But they're like only that they're not, they're, they're not multiple. They're like one, which is why you're able to connect to each like little piece here and there. No, that is uh, for me, very tangible, but it's hard to express. There are one or two specific aspects of each of, um, Simon Mac, or not Simon Mac, Simon, Charisse and Rob's lives. There are one or two things of each of them. Just very specific things that I connected to. Part of it's just because of where I am in my life right now. That feels don't don't forget uh, Clyde and and Rob's brother. Those two are also very important. Yes, um, they are too, but um, less so for my own personal connection point. Because mm. on the timeline of lives, I'm basically the same age as those three, and I'm kind of basically in the same spot in my life as those people are. Not just from mm. an age perspective, just from a career and relationship standpoint you know what i mean so that is part of why i connected to the show i know that there's a very specific draw to me but in general Mm -hmm. i think there is a very there is a tangible despite how much of it is intangible there is a tangible thing commonality in this show that anyone should be able to connect to Um, and its competence and overall quality is a part of that picture i will say if you give the show a chance and you're getting through it, even if you're not, if you're not fully invested, there are if there are two episodes that really just crush it for me. The first, obviously, I mentioned the Simon episode. I think is very good. I really enjoyed that. The other episode, there's a, there is one episode where Rob and and I keep wanting to call him Plop because that's what they call him in the office. But Rob and Clyde are going to this woman's house to look at the set of records yes, to potentially I, buy. I, and I knew that, that was the episode, episode you were talking about. Is so so good. <laughs> well, it's an absolute standout episode. It's one of the more important sequences in the book, from what I understand. It's something they shot for the movie, and it got cut because it didn't fit with what was the overall. Oh, really? Of the movie? Yeah. It there. It was literally 
a whole scene that was shot that didn't make it to final cut of the movie. Um, it's the standout sequence of that story uh, in whichever form mm-hmm. it takes um, for very yeah. obvious reasons um, for just it's funny. It's maddening. It's really good for the relationship between Rob and Clyde, but it's in the end, what it is, is it is a dark look into what is holding back Rob, like as a person. Oh yeah. Um, that she just can't get out of her own way. Um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is one of those things that I can relate to. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, you know, between those two episodes, yeah, those are the ones that, like, if you were going to nominate the show for whatever, those There'd are the ones from those two episodes. you're going to look at for sure. Um, yeah. The other one, if there's one scene, just one specific scene, and it's a little bit spoilery. Um, obviously, you've already seen it, though, so I'm going to... I forget what episode it was in, but the scene where Rob meets Mac, and she's meeting Mac's fiance for the mm. first time. And they're at the bar, and she goes outside, and she meets up with like one of her acquaintances out there. And yeah. oh yeah, the I know. Fiance exactly comes about. out. That like thirty seconds of television was pure gold. That thirty seconds of shtick. Yes. Uh, yeah. Where and then and then with the one callback, like I don't know, five to ten minutes later was yes, was very like very solid cherry on top. Uh, that just I just totally shocked me. It cracked me up. Mm-hmm. Um. It reminded me of some cutaways and other shows and stuff that I've like watched in the past, like where it's just like this out of time thing that's going on. But just that moment, and because I totally, I, I, and I imagine anyone could totally relate to that. This person is engendering these feelings of rage <laughs> in me that I want to be able to take out on them with no consequences. And you imagine exactly how you're going to do it, but mm-hmm. in the end, you know you can't. And it is, it's cathartic to just be able to have your own little fantasy about it and a television show or movie is the best way to do it right where you can show it and then you like wash your hands and it's done it didn't really happen you know what i mean i I, that's a that is a mechanic that has been used far too little uh and it is something that needs to be done sparingly but like in far too few experiences has it been done like (laughs) look it, it does happen occasionally and when it does it always catches you by surprise what we're talking about is a uh, the person is having a conversation with somebody and then, like, punches them in the face and then it quick cuts and they didn't actually do it. Yes. But the best part about it is when she starts just coming out with these, like, absolute zingers. Yeah. And then all the guys around her do it and they're all start beating the shit. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? It reminded That's me of it. a scene from Scrubs where um, JD gets arrested and he goes to jail. And okay. he's put in like the lo- like processing lockup with like, you know, like the ten other guys or whatever who are there, right? And they all start staring at him, and it's like, oh, you know, JD from Scrubs, he's gonna be the bitch in any jail relationship, right? You know what I mean? Uh, and they're like, he's relaying the story of going to jail with all these people, and they're like, oh yeah, after you know, I really, I really like bonded with all those guys. He goes, and then he starts relaying how. The next person comes in and he's part of the gang and they're all kicking the shit out of this new guy in there and JD's like leading them and beating the shit out of there and he's going, he's kicking this guy in like the ribs and he's going, take it you bitch, take it. Yeah, that's, that was basically a show built around that mechanic. Yes. <laughs> Which is 
probably why it's so silly. <laughs> it's funny that, you know, two wildly different shows, but Family Guy and Scrubs exist on the same exact <laughs> spectrum of... Right. We're just going to have this random cutaway. Mm-hmm. Um, the only difference That's that time is I forgot th- how to sit down is probably my favorite cutaway in television history. I know. It's one of my absolute <laughs> favorites as well. Um, that was one of them where the setup shocked me so much, and I had no idea that two seconds later I was going to be so shocked... So much more shocked by the payoff in which he's just in a chair. Like inside of the fabric material of the chair and the chair no longer exists. And I was like, <laughs> but how? <laughs> oh man, it's amazing what you can do when you skip a couple frames. Yeah, just pulling the frames is exactly what, I mean, it was just, it. I remember the first Oh, and I- that is not a pass for horror movies. You guys got to stop it because it's not funny. It's not good anymore. Like the person running up to you, but every other frame is clipped out of it. I'm, I'm over it. No, it's, it's funny when-, when judiciously used in an animated show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as far as shows, I am behind an episode on Better Call Saul. Oh, God. We need to um, talk about the final scene of that show. <laughs> Wait, it's not over, is it? No, no, just the final scene of this week's episode. Oh, okay, okay. Like, left right. me, like, absolutely, like, well, just jaw drop. you know what? This is perfect. We'll do that next week, and that gives the listeners time to make sure that they've seen it by then. Right? All right. I don't like you it. see? But I'll agree to it. <laughs> but you'll accept it. <laughs> Another brief one. So, did you start watching Devs yet? No, I didn't. Oh, God. So, uh, my cousin Mike. Hey, Mike. Uh, Mike texted me. I want to say yesterday, but I've been having trouble remembering what happens on a given day of the week. Um, sure. He texted me yesterday, let's say, and he had, must have just listened to our last week's episode, which is a long one, um, and of which I have precisely zero like three memory. Three hours. It's. I think it's three hours <laughs> and ten minutes, uh, of which I have zero memory of our movie conversation. Just zero right. memory, because I was dozing. It, was, it was funny. There's a point at the end where my voice... My volume does go up, um, and that's me trying to wake you up a little bit because you were you were visibly dozing by the, in the last five minutes. Oh you yeah, were like you were your head was coming closer to the camera. <laughs> that's all I remember about the movie conversation is I remember being like, I'm not entirely sure what he or I am saying because I am actively falling asleep as we finish this. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, he texted me about a couple of things, but one of the things was I talked around a shocking scene in the second episode of devs, which I explained right. to you a very little bit about, about someone getting killed. And he mm-hmm. texted me saying basically the same thing. Like the way I experienced it was the exact same way you experienced watching it for the first time. I have no fucking idea what happened. And I was like, so I'm not the only one. Like, I'm just glad that okay. I'm not the All only right. idiot who is confused by what's going on. Like he seemed to be just as confused. I explained it to him, sent him the clip. He goes, yep. Now I see it. You're right. And also, you're right. Just how can a guy with so many advantages and the upper hand in multiple occasions in the fight lose the fight? And that's not even my main issue with <laughs> That's not even my main issue, though it was a big issue with it. Um, and this is just, and as I mentioned to him, it's something that because of, and as I've talked about a lot in the past, being raised on like Ludlum and Clancy, when you fail at basic tradecraft 101 and you're a spy i have a big problem like that's super immersion breaking for me where 
other people pr- probably don't react so viscerally to those things. But mm-hmm. because it's so near and dear to my own heart of what I've watched and read for so many years, going back to when I was like 11 years old. Um, mm-hmm. Which, by the way, when you should not read The Born Identity when you're 11 years old. You're not old enough for that book. Um, no. I can say that because I read it when I was 11 years old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that being said, <laughs> um, I think Alex Garland is great. I think he's a brilliant film slash TV um, maker. And he doesn't seem to have the same background in spy stuff because that's what was so egregious to me is just like anyone... like. If a Ludlum like wrote a character like this, like people would laugh it off the screen slash page. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, his the rest of this show so far, and I'm pissed because I didn't get to watch the newest episode because it just came out today, and I just didn't have time to watch it before we started recording. Um, his ability to craft these stories and scenarios and groups of characters, um, he is clearly a very smart guy who thinks really deeply about a lot of things. Has and I don't know what his experience is that causes him to get into all of these things with programming and like all the sci-fi and technology stuff yeah. that he's done is really incredible. Um, and like, even if it's not a hundred percent accurate, it feels like achievable or like plausible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause there's nothing worse than watching a show or a movie based on a thing. Like if the whole show was a spy show, I would be very worried based on that one thing. But if it's just the one off, sequence it's not the end of the world right it's not gonna break the whole show it just is what it is right um but if he wasn't nailing the tech part of it which to my knowledge and they're vague about the nuts and bolts of this thing really it's the idea that they want to be super interested in just in the same way as it was with annihilation and Mm -hmm. and ex machina and nailing all of those things where okay this thing isn't really possible but it could be Mm-hmm. And just bear with me for a second while we say, oh, it could be. So here's what comes next. And it's like, oh, yeah, right. tell me more about that. You know what I mean? It, it, which is like, it's, it's, it's kind of funny with the name of the movie, Ex Machina. But like that's it. I like that. I kind of like that approach of just like, just, just, it's just like, just relax. This is what we're doing. This is how, this is how it is. Let's, let's tell this compelling story with this in the case. Stop asking the questions about this thing. It's not as important as what we're trying to do. <laughs> well, the, the funny part about it is you, you, sit down, shut up. Stop asking questions. Right. I'm yeah. asking the questions. Right. <laughs> and now I'm going to give you my answers and you see if they match up with what you would think. You know what I mean? Right. And right. his ability to refine down one basic profound question and then build a world around that question is inspiring to me. I, it's why and, I like you his know, stuff so much. Every time that you are about to ask a question that's going to undermine this whole situation, he'll go, wow, no, no. Or there will be a bear screaming like a little girl. Well, like I said, <laughs> help me. <laughs> um, <laughs> lest you think, and I'm pretty sure. This, I'm I, I, what? Sorry, one second. Imagine this without the context of Annihilation. <laughs> if you haven't seen Annihilation, you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Um, watch that with the lights on, man. Give yourself at oh, least God, an hour yes. before you go to sleep. <laughs> if you haven't watched We watched it. that during the day, and when we got out of the movie theater, I was still terrified. 
Well, it was because we were exhausted because we mm, were up mm. too late. We saw it too early, and we had that guy sitting right behind us. That's so creepy. Um, and then your cat. Just don't. Hey, hey, Paul. You know, PSA. If you are able to select the seats <laughs> that you're going to be sitting in at a movie theater, and there are only two other seats taken, just go somewhere so else. Anywhere other than directly behind. A row, but even if you want to sit on the same side, a row back. You know, two rows back, other oh, side. If there was a row, if he was two rows behind us, directly behind us, would not have been weird. Not a, not no, no. When you have a screaming human bear, which to be fair behind, to him, he didn't know that was coming. He didn't, but uh, he also uh, it's just it's too, you're too close. You're too close. You got You can only feel the. It's like a urinal situation. <laughs> you know, you don't go right next to the person. Unless you have to. Yes. It's just, it's just courtesy. Yes. It's I not agree. that it's weird. It's just, cur- it's just, there's a personal space thing with the, with a with fewer people in the room. What should be the radius is wider. So, social distancing people. <laughs> exactly. It applies even in, not in times of pandemic. Definitely applies um, in the shimmer. But going back to devs, uh, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned it last week, but lest you be concerned that he could not match or possibly even top. The um, yeah, or the demon bear. There are so many disturbing sounds in this show. <laughs> demon um, bear. <laughs> demon bear we... is a tremendous name for a band. Oh man, a heavy metal <laughs> band called Demon Bear. Yes. yes. Oh, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's how we lovingly and affectionately refer to the demon bear is as demon bear, um, because. Anytime I say those words, my sister gets this PTSD trigger look on her yeah. face. So, If there's anything that's going to make the hair on your neck stand up, it's Demon Bear. <laughs> oh, God. The, the, the thought of that scene with the, with the Demon Bear walking around the house, it's just too much. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a lot. Uh, the best the part, reason the best I keep doing of- this is I'm still thinking about that person that hasn't seen it, but is listening. <laughs> yes, true. Um, the best Don't part forget of- about Flower Deer. <laughs> Flower deer. No, but the flower deer were like <laughs> kind of creepy, but they were cool. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Non-threatening. Sure. Um, the best part about Demon Bear is the syllables are perfect where occasionally I will break out a Demon Bear. But then instead of do 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 do, it's <laughs> And my sister doesn't oh like that God. either. But um, Okay. Between, and the, the best part is we were just talking about the movie, too, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, oh, because I had her and Dominic watch the first episode of Desmond. I watched it the night before um, because they both liked Annihilation X Machina. So it was like, oh, like, check this thing out with me. Like, yes, you know it's going to be weird. Let's watch it. Actually, we didn't mm-hmm. even get through the whole first episode. But we got through, like, two-thirds of it. And they were like, whew. Man, <laughs> um, maybe this weekend we'll pick it back up because we'll all be together again. But um, nice. I'm gonna. Uh, I, I, I'll try to get some of that. I don't know if I'll catch up, but I'll try to get a few before the next episode. Yeah. So t- as of today, there have been five of eight out. Uh, oh, damn. And, and right. it's a limited series too. Like there's not going to be a second season of this. But oh, yeah. No, it's this. It's a. From what I understand, this is this was planned this way. It was always going to be this way. He has no interest in doing a second season of this. It's the way that uh, Damon Lindelof tra- treated um, Watchmen on HBO. Like he's like, no, 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 I have a story. This is it. When it's done, it's done. 
which mm-hmm. I respect that. Now, the cool thing is they went from when a couple of months ago when it was like they were starting up the promotion for this for the season. Uh, Garland said, I and this was actually following up something he had said a few months before. He said, I whatever I do next is not going to be sci fi. I want to do something different. Um, he goes, but I think it would be cool after working on this project. I really enjoyed working with the cast. I'd love to do something else with them again. And so I was reading about a week ago an interview with Allison Pill, who was Maggie in the newsroom. She is mm-hmm. one of the leads in this show. Um, this is the first time she worked with Alex Garland. She said it as if it's like, no, no, this is definitely a thing. This isn't a hypothetical. It's just a question of when will it happen. We're all coming back together to do another season of television with Alex Garland. He's already decided we're running this back, just doing a different story. Um, so it's becoming nice. like a weird version of an anthology where like it won't be in the same universe. It won't be on the same topic or thematically like type of thing. It's, right. It's just let's get all the key players back together and let's do a new story together because we love working together so much, which is so cool. Because I like that. It's not yeah. like out sort of outside of Sonoya Mizuno. Like this isn't like a like recurring cast of characters who've worked with him before. You know what I mean? Um, right. It was the first time that Nick Offerman ever worked with him. First time that Alison Pill ever worked with him. Um, but they all loved it so much, and he loves them so much. I love when you see those relationships together because there's so many cool, creative, collaborative things you can do that way. And uh, it's funny because it sounds like with him, he was like, "Oh yeah, like I'd love to do it, and we'll see." What, and like she's like, "Oh yeah, he's like super weird. Like there's so like, so many people. It's like, oh, you got a writing room together, eight people, and all these months together." She goes, no, no, he just goes and sits somewhere for like a month or two and just writes it and it's just done and that's it. And it's like, okay, let's move to production. It's like, how? That's pretty cool. (laughs) She's like, he's just like superhuman and his ability to, when it finally clicks, like, this is what I'm doing, he just does it and it's their finished product. And it's like, what the fuck? That's awesome. That's pretty cool. I love hearing little stories like that. Right? It was a really good interview. I just just love to hear it like when, when, people enjoyed working together and it's funny because it's like i feel like you can watch a movie and without any context or interviews you can know whether or not that was the case right not 100 percent of the time but a lot of time yeah like when it's when it's really good you can tell yeah there's certain times where it's just like where it just stands out as like they had either so much fun or they were just super into it one of these leads was rallying everybody every day like was just you know (laughs) you know what i mean like like getting everybody into it but uh uh, it's it's cool. I like that. Um, do you have any other news and nuggets, or do you want to get into a quiz? Uh, before the quiz, I'm just going to briefly mention um, the finales of the seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasm and Avenue 5 ran back-to-back on, on this past Sunday on mm-hmm. HBO. Both really good. This was such a good season of Curb. Um, it's funny because... I binged however many... I think this was the 10th season. I binged the first eight seasons. Um, That's crazy. A few months before the ninth season came out. So that was the... That that show stopped and came back, right? Is that... Well, it's never been a strictly like yearly show. Like it was, Sometimes it would be 18 months. Sometimes it would be two or three years. I see. I and see. then all of a sudden it was... They did a season in like 2009. And then nothing... Until like 2017 or 2018, whenever oh, season wow. nine was, like it was several years to the point where, like people thought it was canceled. People wondered whether they ever do it again. And so, like Larry's whole thing is, he when he when he settles on an idea, 
then he does the show. The show. And HBO mm-hmm. just kind of gives him a standing, like, as now at this point, just gives him a kind of a standing. When you're ready to do it, let us know, and we'll begin the timeline. You know what I mean? Right. And so he goes, at the end of each season, I always think, I'm never going to have another idea to do. He goes, and then inevitably, whether it be six months or three years later, I have the idea. I have enough other ideas to fill in the gaps to do a season, and then we do it. He goes, but whenever I finish it, I'm always afraid, oh, God, is this it? I have no more ideas. He goes, and then eventually, <laughs> I have more ideas. Because, um, like I said, it's been another two or three years now since that last season of, of Curb was out. This season, that season I enjoyed. This season was so much better. This is one of the top three seasons, probably, of the ten total. Um, nice. It was so good. It was so funny. I saw some people complain there was too many cameos, and there probably was more in this season than there were in any other one. Um, but so many of them were so good. John mm-hmm. Hamm is in one episode. I was going to say, from what you told about him, I, it seems worth it. So good. Um, and there were so many other ones. There was a great like sequence of them. They, they never do cold opens. They did two in the, the final two weeks of this season. One of them was... So the, the main storyline of this season was he opens up a spite store. Which he goes into this coffee place. Uh, I, I explained le- right last week with the John Hamm situation, right? He gets kicked out of the mm-hmm. coffee spot. The rest of the season, he spends it. I mean, the main story. There's a lot of other mini stories that last for one episode or a couple episodes. He, the main season arc was him trying to get up and running a store specifically to spite that coffee place. <laughs> he said, "He said I don't care how much money I spend on it. I don't care if I lose money on it." Uh, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to open this store with the sole purpose of fucking over that store. Of course. Um, because he's, you know, worth so much, so many millions of dollars. He can do it. Um, and so th- last week's episode opened with a, a cold open. It was his first, like, commercial for the opening of the store. Oh, my God. Which is ridiculous. Um, this week, it was, it started with, like, a news broadcast. I don't know if it was, like... The Today Show or something like that. Like one of those morning shows. And it's this reporters out on the street interviewing other celebrities who've opened Spite stores because they've been inspired by Larry. So it's Jonah Hill opened Jonah's Deli, which nice. was because he went to some deli and I don't know if like the waitress like snubbed him or something like that. I, I, I forgot what happened. And he like poured his heart and soul into this deli, and he was talking about opening a second one in New York um, because some other person at that deli had like miffed him slightly. Amazing! It, like he's like totally like in character too. Like, and then Sean Penn opened this exotic animal like pet shop, <laughs> and so he's like totally ridiculous because he's like he went to buy a talking parrot from this pet store and. The store sell, sold him the parrot, and the parrot doesn't speak. And he's like, "They that guy knew that this parrot didn't <laughs> speak." And he's so, he goes, "Now I get, you know, he's like, oh, this is like a like rare blue macaw or whatever." He goes, "Do you want to hold him or whatever?" And he goes, "Yeah." You know. And then in the background, there's some other bird like squawks, and he just turns, he screams, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, they get into the episode, and he's like, "Oh." He breaks someone. It was, um, th- oh no, sorry. The watch was broken already. He ends up breaking it later in the episode, um, which that whole situation was wild. Um, someone had this old wristwatch that their grandfather had given them. And it was, what's his name? It was uh, the guy who you, you were just talking about how much you enjoyed him in Veep. 
Um, I totally forgot his name in real life and his character in Veep. The, the oh, Richard Splett? Yes, Richard Splett. Him, <laughs> uh, that, that actor. His his grandfather, it was like, oh, right before he died, he gave me this watch. And okay. it wouldn't keep time. Every time he adjusts it, it doesn't keep time right. So he's like, oh, I this great jeweler. So he goes to the jeweler and it's closed and he sees a spite store next door. And Mila Kunis owns it. <laughs> and she's like, but the problem is, it's like not even like a functional store. He's like, oh, well, <laughs> he goes, can you repair this? He goes, I would always bring my stuff to be repaired by them. And he goes, she goes, oh, no, yeah, no, I, this, this store exists in spite. Like, I... I don't do that. <laughs> so you can't get the watch fixed. <laughs> oh, God. It, it seems like it'd be something that I'd find very silly. It is. It, it is very silly. It's very well written for the most part. And early on, the acting's a little rough, in particular with Larry, because he's not an actor. He's a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote for Saturday Night Live. He wrote Seinfeld. Um, now he wrote this and is starring it because it's loosely based on his own very, very loosely based on his own experiences and observations right. and life. Um, over the course of it, he's become a much better actor, at least much better playing that version of himself. That's funny. That's, that's, that's cool. And the other show, uh, Avenue 5, that worth, one, worth it or no? It was a fun show. It would, I would say it was a pretty rough first season, which is odd for... Someone who should have been able to iron all that out in the years of Veep that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that it got into a groove in its last two or three episodes of the season. It was only nine episodes. It was half hour okay. comedy. Um, I think, I don't whether from the writing, the cast and characters were directing, it, it just didn't 100% click until closer to the end. Mm. Um, it was fun. It, it's not something you need to rush and go watch, but if it's like... I'd like to check that out. I do think overall the cast had pretty good chemistry. There's the one guy, I always forget, I actually I don't even know if I know the the actor's name, but I know we've talked about him in the past. He was um in he's that guy he always plays someone who's like super annoying or hateable. He was in the league. He was the, yeah. I hated that Jared. character so much. <laughs> What's that? Uh, he's Jared in the in um Silicon Valley. Yeah, and he was in Veep a little bit yep. too, and mm-hmm. so. He doesn't play quite the same level of hateable in this, but he's supposed to be like the head of because it's like a pleasure cruise ship that like goes right. out for like two weeks or something like that in outer space, and it gets knocked off course, and they're gonna end up on the ship for like three years or something like that. Right. Um. So like that's like what happens in the first episode. Uh. So he's supposed to be like the head of like guest like relations and stuff like that. So he's basically like a concierge for the ship, but like even more than that, like he's supposed to like develop personal relationships. Like anytime anyone has an issue, he tries to like, you know, ameliorate it. He's, you know, she pops in with people like, oh, you know, you, you don't have a good enough view. We'll help. We'll get IT in to help he, fix with he's that. He's playing his character. He does this everywhere, everywhere. Yes, except he's much less of like a weirdo, at least at the first, like... <laughs> But he so so he actually cracked me up because he always annoyed me so much in the league. I always enjoyed laughing at him when okay. the other characters were making fun of him. But every time he opened his mouth, I wanted to punch him. Right. In this, he plays a guest relations director who is terrible at relating to the guests. Amazing. And as time goes on, he starts unraveling and he gets super <laughs> nihilistic. And it's like he's supposed to be getting everyone to calm down, and instead he's like. 
inflaming the worst fears and insecurities of all the guests. Which is perfect for him because that guy knows how to really go, like, to flip the switch and go to a really dark place. Yes, and he does it super deadpan where you, like, it's obvious he doesn't realize (laughs) how bad it is that it's coming (laughs) off. So now he's actually been great comedically in this show. Um, and he just, he like totally unravels by the time the show is over. It that's awesome. That, that's pretty funny. Up. I feel um, like I ended up liking him. Yeah, it's funny because I've always disliked his characters and he cracked me up in the show. It would not have been as good without him. Josh Gad was incredible in this. He plays such a douchebag. <laughs> like, and like just a dumb, one of those like stereotypical, I'm rich and I think I'm way smarter than I am. Like I said, he's actually stupid Elon Musk in this mm-hmm. because he's actually really, really dumb, <laughs> but thinks he's a genius and he is such a douche. He's hysterical. Hugh Laurie is funny. great as always. Um, he, you know, he just snaps off the chain occasionally. Um, the whole cast right. ends up being like the main cast, or whatever ends up being pretty good together. Uh, it's a fun, funny show. I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say it was like a good show, but it's worth a watch. Yeah, well, cool. Definitely a lower priority show, though. Sure. Yeah, devs is devs is obviously coming. Oh out, yeah, no, so. that you need to start watching by this weekend. All right, let's uh, let's do a quick fun and games. We didn't do a fun and games last week, did we? Um, yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was which bond or which bond error, right? Uh, I think it was which. Bond movie? Which one villain? Which one movie? I don't remember. I thought it was the the Bond era. No, it wasn't an era. It was either a car, a villain, or a movie. I think we did movie. Those were the three quizzes that I Oh, had. that's right. You gave me options. Because I remember at one point I was mentioning my affinity for Goldfinger, both the movie right. and the character. But Alright. For this one, what I've got, um, I couldn't find something very specific related to the movie that we did but i did find which 90s action hero are you nice. so i thought that would be fun hang on a second uh, ooh, what is that what okay. is that it's just another it's another brown all right oh boy all right this is gonna be difficult um the first question right off the bat no actual words i have to describe these pictures to you <laughs> so <laughs> where do you see yourself in 10 years and the pictures are uh like one of those uh Bungalows over the water. Uh, Cu- a, couples a, retreat. A, a, yeah, a, a chef in a kitchen. Um, a prison bus. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure this one's a scene from Saving Private Ryan. I'm pretty sure this one's a scene from Star Wars, and the other one is just a guy walking down the street in the city. What scene from Pre- Saving Private Ryan and from Star Wars? A bunch of soldiers walking to their doom nice. in. And then I believe this is episode three, uh, early on uh, in the opening of the movie when they're when they're flying through space, shooting those little buzz droid things. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was the last option? A guy walking through the city. I don't like any of these options. Prison bus. Prison bus. Wow. <laughs> Just like, give me give me buzz droids, I guess. Buzz droids. Cool. All right. Oh, God, what is your? This is I did not know that the, all of these were going to be pictures. What is your favorite vehicle? Uh, we have a bus that is doing a wheelie. <laughs> we have a Harley. We have a dirt bike, a GTO, a battleship, and the golf cart in a airport. <laughs> um, 
Give me battle. Turning out to be one of the one of the better ones that we've done, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, what happened? Right. Did, did you get lazy? What happened to you're gonna do the quizzes so we know they work? <laughs> oh, I uh, I completely forgot to grab one, and I pulled this up while we were talking before the show started. Nice. Your weapon of choice is it a? Uh, it's a. It's you know the giant knife, crocodile Dundee knife. No, oh, that's um, a knife. A chef's knife. Actually, this is weirdly my chef's knife. Uh, Beretta. <laughs> Uh, a Walter PPK, or uh, this <laughs> the gun, the shotgun from Terminator Two that he does the little flip around thing with. You know, you know what he does when he when he flip loads it. It's that shotgun and a Motorola flip phone. Um, oh, let's go with the weird shotgun. Weird shotgun, nice. All right, who is the right woman for you? Um, okay. Well, well if I knew uh, that, Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's, oh, it's her in speed for sure. Um, it's, uh, Die Hard's wife. Uh, you mean John McClane's wife? Uh, yeah, you are probably not familiar with this episode of, of Friends where Joey refers to Die Hard, to John McClane as Die Hard. <laughs> but that, that scene when Die Hard's going through the ventilation shaft. Uh, so, okay, we've got Sandra Bullock on the bus. Uh, we've got, uh, John McClane's wife, Holly, right? Holly yes, that's Gennaro. Right. Yes. That pulled that one out of nowhere. I would um, be able to give you the that, last name. I wouldn't have been able to give you the first name without it. We have Sarah Connor. We have, I'm pretty sure this is the woman from Under Siege 2. Uh, <laughs> and we have Lassie. <laughs> I, I, sorry, what was that last one you cut out? Lassie. Oh. It <laughs> was a hard left turn there. Yep. Let's go with uh, let's go with Sandra Bullock, I guess. Sandy B. All right. What is your catchphrase? Oh, look, this one has words. What is your catchphrase? Sometimes I just go nuts. Yippee kaye! You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Let's get nuts. <laughs> it wasn't my war. I'm just a cook. Hasta la vista, baby, and don't slow down. <laughs> cans. Why isn't one of these cans? That's what I want to know. Uh, let's go with Yippie Kaye. It also says Ippy, so I'm not sure if that makes you want to actually go with this one or not. I feel like we all know what that was supposed to be. Got it. All right. Oh, calculating results. That was quick. That was faster than I expected. Weird. All right. Uh, you got Martin Riggs. What? Martin Riggs. I, I have no well, idea why. Were any of those clues even lethal weapon related? I don't believe they were. Maybe one of the lines. Um, there's a continue button. Where does this take us? Viruses, uh, probably. Oh, this just takes me to another thing. How to break up with a toxic friend. This is a weird website. <laughs> Maybe we don't take quizzes from there anymore. <laughs> All right, PlayBuzz, we're on strike with you. <laughs> with that, shall we get into our flick of the week? The Rocketeer, released in 1991, rated PG at an hour and 48 minutes. A young pilot stumbles onto a prototype jetpack that allows him to become a high-flying masked hero. I don't know about you, but uh, I watched this movie a lot when I was a kid. I think we um, talked about this last I, week. I never saw it before this week. Oh, boy. That'll be fun. Okay, so then l- let me hear your tweet length review and rating before we do mine. <laughs> uh, my tweet length review is... A throwback to a very different time in movies, especially superhero movies, that is earnest and sincere, yet totally campy. 
Okay, perfect. I have a movie I adored as a child that came back to me so vividly with each scene just before it unfurled in that 30s style only the 90s could pull off. Right? Isn't there something (laughs) inextricable about that era of movies, specifically that era of superhero movies being totally tied to the 30s? Yeah, Hollywood and that 90s, era, 30. Yeah, that era of Hollywood and comics at the same time. It's so bizarre. So bizarre. Uh, the movie, it's, I, I'm giving it a 7 out of 10 for pure nostalgia. Oh, so, so I don't have the nostalgia. I gave it a 6.5. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's the thing is, there's so much of that's going on in it that it's just like, oof. Uh, and I think it's, it's almost endearing how much a, it is a, like a snapshot of movies of that time. Yes. Um, uh, in a lot saying, of bad ways. Yeah. Well, that was the funny thing. It's like, for me, I've seen that movie so many times now. Mm-hmm. Like, not but this never specific seen movie. Like, <laughs> but I've seen movies like it a million times now. So it's like, huh. Like, this isn't really what I'm looking for. But, right. like... You get it. Yeah. Like, it's... It's fine. Like it was solid, and like, like once uh, the system shock wore off, and I was like, "Okay, we're doing this," which is kind of <laughs> paint by numbers. Like, uh-huh. I can kind of wipe that crap away from the like the whole situation. Just be like, "Okay, we're in this thing now. This is what we're doing, and it's fine." Yeah, uh, like I, it, it would have resonated with me a lot more if I was like. 13 12 and i like whatever like and i yeah, watched sure. it when it came out of course uh one of the things though that really gets me with this is uh it from the moment the movie kicks off like it, there's 90s and then there's so 90s and that is like the title cards and the font it hurts and the, it's so and 90s it hurts and well, that was the that, my first note here is James Horner, the star of this film. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, I was watching it. Uh, I think I turned it on two nights ago, and it was just me and my my mom. I was in the family room. My mom was in the kitchen, like cleaning up after dinner, and I turned it on, and she's like, "Can you turn that down?" And I was like, "No, no, you don't understand. It's the first like ten minutes of a '90s movie." The score is ratcheted up way too aggressive to everything that's going on. And, like, you can tell when you're watching a 90s movie, especially from 1990 to 1995-ish, mm-hmm. because the scores in, like, 80% of those movies are so, like, relentlessly cheery and yep. over the top. And not just that, but, like, they're loud. Like, they're mixed yeah. in such a loud way that, like, I was... And I was remarking to her, like, because I lowered it because at that moment they did cut the dialogue. So I no longer had to try and hear them over the music. Mm-hmm. I think it was right when he was doing his first flight is when this was going on. And it's like, you gotta... Boom! boom like, we got that big soaring score to do now. Oh, yeah. It's like, well, um, you know, you gotta play through the credits that play for 15 minutes. Well, but no, but this was post-score. <laughs> this is when he takes off for his first actual flight, like, the first scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. And, like... I was. I said to her, I was like, I don't remember what movie it was, but a couple of years ago, I was watching a, like a '90s movie for the first time, and at one point, I and I was just watching it on my own. I literally said to the TV, "Okay, we got it now. Turn it down." 
<laughs> it's like I was like, why? Why is the music literally yelling? At me? Uh, it's so it's it's great. It just it makes me feel like a kid again. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to actually. So I pulled up the James Horner Wikipedia page because I thought it would be fun to just quickly run through the titles of the movies that he was involved with. Um, stop me if any of them pique your interest because there's a lot. So wait, this is the, uh, the but composer because that name doesn't yes. sound familiar to me. Yes, yeah, the composer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna burn through these real quick. Um, man, these the list goes back to '78, which is kind of cool. But they, for some reason, pulled out. They only started to really note them in the '80s. It looks like. Um, so we have. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to to skip over to just ones that the first one that pops up on the list of being like very notable. Uh, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. He also did uh, 48 Hours. He did, uh, well, he did Star Trek Three. He did Cocoon. He did Commando, which we absolutely need to get to. He did uh, Aliens, uh, Where the River Runs Black. Uh, he did, uh, what do we got here? Willow. He did Red Heat, which is kind of funny. They're doing some Schwarzenegger films. That's number two. Uh, the Land Before Time, pretty solid. Uh, Cocoon the Return. Field of Dreams, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. This is where he starts to go nuts. Uh, <laughs> another 48 Hours. Uh, what is it? Well, the Rocketeer, obviously, on the list. Uh, <laughs> he did Patriot Games. Uh, what is it? One of them that popped up the other day when I was going through this really, oh, Hocus Pocus, but only wrote Sarah's theme, which is an interesting caveat that it has written at the end. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Pelican Brief. The Page Master. Do you remember the Page Master? I remember watching the first 10 minutes of that movie. Uh, he had quite the run in 95 where he did Braveheart, Casper, Apollo 13, Jade, Jumanji, and Balto. Wow. <laughs> right? 95, he was just like, I gotta make some money. <laughs> and he just burned I, through all I these. Guess, I guess so. Hmm. Uh, let's see, he did Courage Under Fire. He did Ransom. I guess he liked working with uh, Ron Howard. He did, uh, ti- he did Titanic? I did not know that was the case. So I guess that's a recurrence my heart will go of, on. Uh, also James wrote my Cameron heart will go on movies. with Celine with Will Jennings for Celine Dion. Interesting. Deep Impact, The Mask of Zorro, Mighty Joe Young. There's a movie I haven't thought about in a long time. Yeah. Bicentennial Man, The Perfect Storm, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Ron Howard's Enemy at the Gates, Iris, A Beautiful Mind. Like I mean, the guy's got some movies in here. Uh, Radio. Uh, what do we got to see in here? Troy. Uh, Legend of Zorro. Uh, bu- 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 See what else? Avatar, Ugh. the Karate, the the Karate Kid, the 2010 Karate Kid, um, the Amazing Spider-Man, uh, and the Magnificent. The the most the recent one was the Magnificent Seven, or at least the most recent one on this list. Huh. Um, that was a good movie. I enjoyed Magnificent Seven. That I feel like Magnificent Seven came out. Uh, what was it? That was when we started talking about the show. Right. <laughs> yeah, we we had an episode planned around that one. We never right. Did. We never did it. Right. No. That's really funny. <laughs> but anyway, he's got the, the man's got a catalog. Yeah. But it's uh yeah he has a there was a when the when the movie kicked off I was like oh I was like oh yeah I was like I'm in it I'm in it wait a minute okay I know what I know I know what happens and then it started the movie started to play out I was like yes and now this and now th- this is how the whole movie played for me <laughs> and now this and now this and then there was a there was like thirty minutes. Of me going, I don't remember this. 
And then I have a feeling that I've watched the beginning of this movie a lot. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that I've watched the end of the movie maybe half as much. But somehow in the middle, I guess I just got distracted all the time as a kid because there are pieces in there that I did not remember at all. But it was a fun time. Other realizations. I'm not certain that Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan are different people. Uh, why? They just they he they just remind me of each other so much. Well, they were both James Bond. Well, that's true. They both just seem the same. I could I could I could interchange them in the movies that they were in. Like I could totally see Timothy Dalton in Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> just swap them out. No, just swap them out. It's the same guy. It's Strong same disagree guy. on the same thesis. <laughs> They're not that different. They're substantially different. In no. That, yes, in that Timothy We're going to have to start a poll. Timothy Dalton acts his ass off every single time he opens his mouth. All right, we're going to we're going to start a poll and it's going to say Timothy Dalton is Pierce Brosnan and it's just going to be a yes or no question. <laughs> yeah, Timothy Dalton is Pierce Brosnan question mark. <laughs> um he's so so campy and over the top in this movie and he's just acting his ass off every single scene Mm. it's ridiculous but i respect the hell out of it he is acting his ass off in every scene and then has an accent and then doesn't and it's tremendous it's so good (laughs) no 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 no. he (laughs) has his accent and then a wildly different accent that i thought he was just doing as a bit Mm -hmm. and then with no actual explanation, he just moves over to that accent as his natural accent. Yes. He comes back, though. Uh, are you sure? Oh, yeah. I actually don't remember. I thought He, he comes back because I rerounded a few times to be like, am I crazy? <laughs> well, okay, so that's a funny running gag they do on Avenue 5 because Hugh Laurie plays the captain of the ship. Okay. And, and you find out fairly early on that... He's not actually a captain, he's an actor. And they hired him because they thought he saved this disaster in another ship. And he basically had nothing to do with it. He was just standing there when the people who actually saved it, <laughs> saved it. And they had no idea that he was a British actor. And so he puts on this American accent. But as he slowly starts getting more and more mad and things are getting more and more out of hand the British accent starts slipping in and other people start noticing it. That's pretty funny. And then to the point where at the end, he's just like, fuck it, I'm gonna just... I'm gonna stop doing this accent. I'm British. Like, (laughs) like, guys, I'm British. I'm not doing the accent Deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty great. Uh, Circling back, other characters that really blew me away in here. Young Alan Arkin is old Taika Waititi. The The way that he was... (laughs) The way that he looks. The funny thing was, I saw his name in the credits, and the first ten minutes of the movie, I was trying to figure out where Alan Arkin was. Uh huh. And then you were like, "Oh," because his <laughs> his Mario Mario mustache <laughs> threw me off. That would one hundred percent make Cliff Luigi Mario. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, this uh, actually in this movie, Alan Arkin looked like your dad. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, I, yes, I completely agree. Uh, so here's the other thing. Another fun fact. So, uh, between 85 and 91, it was just, uh, we would just pair up, I guess, 
these younger men with these older men with no explanation as how they know each other or why they're friends or why they're close. John Mulaney does a tremendous skit about this in reference to Back to the Future, where a high school kid is a friend with a disgraced nuclear physicist. And we have it again here where Cliff, the young pilot, is very close, lives in the same house as Alan Arkin. Who is this man? Wait, did he actually live in the first in the same house or did I just like sleep and forget that like no they they did i'm pretty sure from what i from what i could tell he lived there with him okay because he would go home and he would go to his house yeah that's true which was very bizarre i was like what is this relationship and they're just like don't worry about it (laughs) like is he was he an orphan is he in some sort of apprenticeship maybe it's an apprenticeship i feel like that could make sense I guess so, yeah. I, could, right? I guess I could see that. We can allow that to happen. Uh, there is a, a, a... Just... The placement of the chewing gum throughout the movie is just beautiful. They just keep calling and, your attention to it. And gross. And Oh, and disgusting. <laughs> uh, what about the monstrous henchman? Okay, I have thoughts on him. Okay, what do you because got? Because... That was getting to the point where I was almost going to be dozing off a bit when he's first introduced. Mm-hmm. The henchman enters the, the hospital. There's the guy there who he's going to get some information from, and then he's going to silence him. And right. the lighting is really poor in the room. I think he lights a match, right? To keep... So that he, he can lights see a him match and get to wake him up? It's not clear. Yeah. To, to wake him up slash let him see him. And I was like, oh, that's one of the ugliest men I've ever seen. Um, and that was the end of my thought for that during that whole scene. And then sometime later, he's in another scene in normal right. like lighting. I was like, "Oh, that's a mask." Okay, right. It's a terrible, terrible mask. It's a lot of it's a lot of face putty. Yeah, it's a really bad mask because his lips are moving independent of the mask's lips quite often uh-huh. when he's trying to talk. Right. Um, which does he ever actually get any words out? I, uh, I think there's just a lot of grunts. It seems like a lot of grunts. He um, might have said one or two things. Also, his face was shaped in a way that human faces aren't shaped. Sure. Um, but yet, the very first scene, I didn't realize it was a mask. I thought it was just, wow, that poor guy, he's terribly ugly. And then I saw him in the light. And I was like, oh, that's hysterical that I didn't realize that this is a horrible mask. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, how did he silence the guy in the bed? Did you catch that? Um, I think he did what... Bane does to what's his name in Dark Knight Rises. Um, I'm sorry, by what's his name do you mean Batman? <laughs> See, I know I understand why you would ask that question because he does lift him in the air. But no, I actually meant, and I can't believe I can't remember the actor's name because I love him. He's a great actor. Um, he always plays a bad guy. He was a bad guy in the Ernest Klein movie, Ready Player One. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Remember um, when he when he somethings him to death? Oh, wait, hang on. What's his name? That's right? going to drive sh- me crazy. Me too, because I actually really like him as an actor. Um, ben just... Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn. Right? Remember when he somethings him to death? Yeah. That's what he did to that guy in the hospital. Oh, I thought he just like took off his mask and it was like a Raiders of the Lost Ark situation. <laughs> Medusa? Medusa situation? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, he folds him in half. And here's how I know that. In a, Does he though? Does in he a, though? In a future scene where he has killed somebody else, somebody in passing in the background goes, "He followed him in half." <laughs> I don't remember that. I remember him picking him up, 
And then I remember them coming out. And then, sorry. Then they cut and you hear him scream. Yeah. And then they come out and he's suspended from all those cables right. and pulleys and stuff like that. And he's dead. And that's why I said he somethinged him to death. Because I don't know what he did. Just in the right. same way when he like rests his arm on Ben Mendelsohn's shoulder. And then they cut away and you hear Ben Mendelsohn scream. And then we know he's dead. Right. He's somethinged yeah. him. So because I'm not entirely him. sure what it was that he did to him. I did like I did like that the nurse and the cop were outside and they like thought that the screams were part of the radio show for a second. That was yeah. kind of funny. I thought that was silly. Uh, what really undermines the entire scene though is when the two of them finally make their way into the room and the cop goes to the window and we see this giant monster man like slightly shuffle away on the side of the building. <laughs> yeah, his feet were clearly there. His entire body was visible from that window. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess it was raining? It was ridiculous. Uh, so he's he's an absurd character. I'm sure we'll get into him a little bit more later. Uh, one of the things that was driving me crazy early on was you know Cliff. Sorry, can yeah. I stop for a second? Hit me. You want to know what's driving me crazy? I had no idea what the henchman's name was in the movie. Lothal? Or something like that? Lothar. Lothar. Lothal's the place in Star Wars. <laughs> yes. Star Wars Rebels. Um, I had no idea what his name was in the movie because no one says his name. And oh, no, then, no. No, it is said at the end. Wait, then at the end, when he gets thrown off the Hindenburg, mm-hmm. and I assumed he was dead, but he wasn't. Um, what's his name? Uh, well, he was Claire. clearly attached to it. Yeah, but he, like, went flying and smacked his head multiple times, and then he just dangles there limply, so I assumed mm-hmm. he was dead. Sure. Um, you gotta always gotta check. Didn't you ever see The Last Action Hero or Die sure. Hard? <laughs> Scream. Yeah. But anyway. We can go all day. <laughs> Neville Sinclair goes, Lothar? And yeah. I've honestly, the, for the very first time, I was like, oh, that's kind of sad. Wait, no, what am I talking about? That guy's a disgusting, terrible, psychopathic henchman. Like, why would yes. I ever feel bad for him? But that's the only time he said his name. So I'm looking at IMDb. I don't see the name Lothar. No, he's not even, like, there. <laughs> Which I don't understand, because he doesn't have any lines. But he has a substantial amount of screen time. Right. It's very, it's, well, it says, I don't know what this means. What does first build only mean? That's what it says under cast. I've always been confused by that as well. Um, it's easy when they say it's alphabetical. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and this, it says credits order, so. Yeah. Huh. Was Is he, he not uncredited in the, in the role? Even That's though he messed had, up. Like, again, like a substantial amount of. This was a substantial part of the movie. Uh, all right. Cliff bothers me for a lot of the movie and it's mostly because it's just like it's a it's a relic of the past and the way that he acts and the way that he treats uh jenny which kept really it kept driving me crazy because her name is jennifer so i was like wait and i was like what's her character name and it's jenny and i'm like oh okay <laughs> so i kept going back and forth there. anyway he's just a he's just a crappy he's a crappy boyfriend he's not listening here he's not paying attention and i'm like and I couldn't, I, I was trying in a scene, there was a scene in the diner where I'm like, God, like, I wanted to call him something, and I couldn't figure it out, and it was really bothering me, and I wanted to yell it at the screen, and then the woman who owns slash runs the diner calls him a dope, and I went, dope! That's the perfect word for this man. <laughs> yeah, character actress Margot Martin. That's, that's right. <laughs> How perfect was it? That character uh, actress Margot Martindale was in a movie in which they featured the destruction of the land end of the Hollywood sign. Oh, God, I was like, man, so if they could have only taken the D out with the land that was right next to it. I wonder if that's some sort of deep cut. 
Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> quite the deep cut. Also, I finally looked up this guy. He was way deep in the credits, and his name was Tiny Ron. Yeah, that was uh, he, that's the shape in Halloween, right? No? Oh, I'm not sure. Um, it said he's known for the last, for last Man Standing, Roadhouse, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, uh, and he just died a few months ago. Oh. I only said that because I know that I, when I was looking through it, I know that the shape was... No, that's, that's Dick Warlock, I think. Oh. Yeah, Dick familiar. Warlock. No, so wait, who's Tiny Ron? But this guy who played Lothar. Lothar? Oh, oh, okay, you found him at the end. Yes. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. I think he was that... There he is. Wait, actually, I don't remember who he was in the first one. Rock. I don't remember who that was. Rock. Oh, um, I'm thinking maybe the guy whose dog he steals in the beginning? Uh, I don't remember that. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure. He played Owl sure in The Naked Gun. He played in Mountain in Roadhouse, <laughs> right. which is a fitting name. What a what an interesting career. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to go on that weird tangent. No, that's fine. Really I kept looking for him. It was confusing me that I couldn't find him. Yeah. Interesting. Wait. Also, I is... wanted to know if he had a deformed face because that was a very deformed mask. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Can you, would you look him up by name? See if you get any pictures? I guess I could now, but there wasn't one then. All right, so, so close to dope. Um, that was really the gist of that. So, there's a couple of strange things, and by a couple I mean the majority of the movie, uh, that I would <laughs> like to get through. Uh, first off, there's a very strange thing that happens when we reveal the jetpack for the first time. And I'm curious if you saw it the same way that I did. When they pull the pull it out of the bag or the bag off of it, it is it kind of looks like two breasts. And the <laughs> only reason why I say that is that uh, Alan Arkin caresses one of them in, <laughs> in that scene. He just he just slowly rubs his hand <laughs> over it. I'm like, this is just weird. <laughs> it's so bizarre. So, I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention, but I don't actually remember that guy sneaking it into the cockpit of the plane. When did that happen? Sneaking it into the cockpit of the plane. They find it in the plane. No, 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 no. Oh, in in the hangar. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so they show him, they show the case, he basically pulls the vacuum out of the case, puts it in the case, and then puts the vacuum in the car, so that when it explodes, they think that they have it, and it's been destroyed, but it's... He he does do it in the early part of the, when he gets when he pulls into the hangar. Okay, yeah, I just don't remember that. Happening. Swaps it I out. guess I wasn't paying close enough attention at that point. I must have been on my phone. Unbelievable, this guy, classic Al, classic <laughs> Al. Here's a question: Is Howard Stark based on Howard Hughes? I mean, to some extent, yes. Yeah, I think okay. that's always been the case. Now, is the performance <laughs> based on the Howard Hughes of this movie? That actually seems more likely because it's weird that this Howard Hughes seems dramatically different than other portrayals of him, namely the DiCaprio performance of him. Mm-hmm. Wildly different than this was. Yeah. And, and the other thing. And DiCaprio I, was lauded for that performance, so I imagine that was closer to the truth. There's a lot of parallels between this and Iron Man as far as the Rocket Man and the Howard Hughes situation. Yeah. Now, I will agree that it's very obvious that the character Iron Man must have been created off the back of the actual Rocketeer graphic novel. The, uh, when was that? What was the years of that stuff? I'm assuming a long time ago. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I know it's a, a very rich assumption on my part, but... Yeah. 
Very much. <laughs> uh, here's another weird thing. A question, I, you know what? I don't actually know the answer to this, so I'm hoping that maybe you have some information about fencing that I don't have. Uh, are, are you familiar with fencing? Slightly. Dominic okay. would be the better person to ask. He actually did some. Is the saber sharp? Um, It can be. I was under the impression that it wasn't. All, I don't think all of them are, but I think a saber can be. All right, because he was, like a he was cutting a significant foil. amount of things in those scenes. <laughs> say a classic foil wouldn't be, um, but the the difference was like that was during like a like a movie scene, right? So it wasn't no, no, like, no. When he was in his apartment practicing. Oh, okay. And he's cutting through cutting through plants, and he's yeah, slicing I things think up. Like a normal like competition like fencing foil isn't sharp, but I think a saber can be. All right. All right. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. I just don't know. I just don't know, if, know enough about it. We should have gotten Peanut Gallery on here for that simple for that simple question. <laughs> uh, that was that was something that was bothering me. the uh, The mob is interesting in this movie. We'll get to them later because it's a very funny scene that I really liked towards the end. Uh, <laughs> but cruising on through, Cliff takes Jenny to the movies, and I don't know if you spotted this, but he had. Do you remember Mallrats? Um. Yeah. Do you remember the little cup? That Jason Lee carries around with him that he fills up. Oh yeah, at the yeah. food court. That's the size cup that he has at the movie theater. He has two <laughs> boxes of popcorn and a Dixie and cup of soda. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but it's just there's so many, so many like silly things going on, like like that, like they, they like you're watching the movie, and you know it's it's a silly movie, it's a silly '90s movie, nothing super immersion breaking, but those things will happen. And I'll just be like, what? <laughs> and I, that's when I, I started to jot some of them down. Um, this one, this note, I don't actually... Oh, oh, yes, okay. Okay. We're on the set. Sinclair is doing his stunts, right? He's going through, going through. The actress that is supposed to deliver the line that Jenny apparently did well in the rehearsal uh, just completely sucks at delivering the line, and they yell cut. Oh that, through, you would, oh, that you would drink from my lips just as deeply. <laughs> they go through the whole scene again, and then something else happens. But after, uh, after it all gets like falls apart because Clifford was behind the uh, one of the set pieces and dropped to the wall. Somebody yells about the ma- about the the guy that uh, Clifford's playing opposing. Somebody call the nurse. Someone's been stabbed. <laughs> so that is yelled out. Yeah, because he's. The well, because just his scene partner so into was it. stabbed by what? I'm not entirely sure. Some piece of the falling scenery. Well, I, well, no. He in that scene, he when they're on the steps, Sinclair does run him through with the sword, but he runs him through under the arm. They show it very clearly in the first yes. take. Yeah, I'm guessing this time he just ran him through. <laughs> <laughs> See, he I was just I, too I, into it. I didn't catch that because, yeah, I noticed when they showed the first take, it's very obvious he stabs him under the arm because of where it pops out. Um, I just assumed because it happened around that thing falling, and the thing falls over top of Sinclair without actually hitting him, I assumed that like it splintered and that was what stabbed him. No, oh, no, no. He straight up stabbed him. Uh, this is foreshadowing that he's a Nazi. What? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's just the villain. Uh... Which that that's one of my notes from from 
that from watching the other night when that part happened. Um, it's one of my three notes. Uh, the, just that whole line, and I don't know if I had it 100% correct, but I think I have it close enough. When she finally discovers that he's a Nazi, mm-hmm. and she, he goes, what am I? A spy? A saboteur? A fascist? <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on right now? <laughs> the movie goes the, places. That was the moment I had the, man, he just is acting his ass off in that. It's totally unnecessary, totally ridiculous. Absolutely. Like he he looks like he's having the time of his life. Seriously no does. need to be that serious. No, but I wish everybody would approach all things with that passion. I mean, come on, just think of the line, Here come the fuzz. And not the fuzz. <laughs> like, it's totally over the top and unnecessary. So he was he was a lot of fun to watch in this yes. movie. Even um, when he's playing actual, like, Neville Sinclair, like, in the mm-hmm. movie, or, like, the actor Neville Sinclair, you know what I mean? Where he's yeah, like, he gets to play, like, like 14 different roles. And- yeah. It's great. And he is having fun in every single one of them. There is a scene where he's uh where he takes Jenny to the uh what was it the seaside club or the seashell whatever it was. Some Yeah, was it like the CC club or something like that? I don't know. So the so the fancy place that she wanted to go. Why don't we have a go anywhere nice? That you know, that whole scene and then they yeah. and then he takes her there. Why don't uh, you just put your own like old-timey 1930s voice on? <laughs> <laughs> and then so Except they go it there. sounded like John Mulaney doing a 1930s Pretty much. That's voice the only one I've got. And uh, <laughs> so this is now this is the probably the most cringeworthy scene of the movie and that's because I don't think that it's done in like a tongue-in-cheek way. It's an old man is introduced by Sinclair to Jenny, and the camera slow pans down to her breasts, stops there, and he says, charmed, doubly charmed. And then, <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, this is horrible. Too much. <laughs> it really was. And, I, and you know what it is? It's just like, it's just like one snapshot that's right, right there where they've been like, they've been kind of here the whole movie. But they really leaned into it in that scene, and it was just—it just felt wrong. All I needed was like the very, very slow mo zoom in as or, all or, this was going on, or like, or during <laughs> during it, perhaps Sinclair's eyes pop out of his head and his tongue drop to the table, <laughs> <laughs> like, like the mask. Yes, exactly. Contemporary movie, exactly. Um, yeah, the whole thing with like everything with Sinclair, and like you said, yeah, he plays something because there's. There's Sinclair in his movie. There's actor Sinclair. There's actor Sinclair trying to get something. There's actor Sinclair having a diva meltdown. Mm-hmm. There's there's newly unfurled Nazi Sinclair. There's actual Nazi Sinclair with, and that was really confusing to me because I was like, I just assumed because there's been a lot of stories like that <laughs> that he was working with the Nazis, not that he yeah, was a Nazi working yes. with the Nazis, working for the Nazis, <laughs> like. British national who is sympathetic to the Nazis. Because, like, there were British and Americans who were sympathetic to the Nazi cause who tried to sabotage and undermine our war efforts. That's a real thing that happened. Um, And so I just assumed that was going to be the case. And then, no, all of a sudden, he has discarded the British accent. He has discarded the clipped, you know, German that's a second language. And he's now just full-blown German speaking English in a German accent. And I was like, where the fuck did that come from and yep. why yep i also loved the uh the multiple characters that spoke mixed german where they would speak in german but the two words that you needed to understand the context were in english 
Did you notice that? That was a fun. That was a fun thing to do. No, like, we I'm can't afford to, to put phenomenal. subtitles on the screen, so we're just gonna say the words that you need to hear. I was, you know, what? I wish they would have given us something like subtitles or whatever, because they had the one German guy who I don't know if he was supposed to be like his handler or whatever. Who's multiple scenes is screaming at him in a towering rage in full blown German, and I don't understand a word he's saying. And I'm like. This is not a helpful scene. Like, I can tell he's mad. I'm not entirely sure why. I don't know who has seniority in this whole mm-hmm. point. You know what I mean? Like, More importantly, Jenny kills that guy. Oh, yes. Brutally. She straight up kicks him out the plane. <laughs> she, good good she, for her. No, she very much no tickets him. <laughs> it's, it's, it's intense. Uh, there is a ridiculous scene on the lawn before the Zeppelin appears of the mafia standing side by side with the FBI <laughs> shooting the Nazis and there's a they they they're looking at each other and the FBI guys annoyed and the mob guy kind of just gives him a little and then and they just they kind of laugh it off and continue to shoot the Nazis which also, also how, go ahead. I was saying, how great was it Paul Sorvino listen yeah. I may not make an honest it, buck yes I've never I've never made an honest buck but I'm an American <laughs> but I'm an American <laughs> uh, yeah and him and the FBI agent, who have clearly been playing cat and mouse for years uh, upon years, turn and look at each other, and then turn back to both of them shooting at the same target with their Tommy guns. So good. Also, when the FBI agent says, you know, watch your shots, fellas, is that thing is filled with hydrogen, it's going to go up in flames, kill us all. And I was yep. thinking, I couldn't not think for the rest of the movie about the Archer episode. When 100%. Absolutely, what was thinking, and in that, I actually wrote that line down. It's one stray shot, and we all fry. That's yeah. And, and I'm just picturing you, you, someone shooting an archer, yelling, "Oh, goddamn it, mother, the helium!" <laughs> <laughs> what part of this aren't you getting? Well, the core concept, obviously. Ah, so good, so good. There's also the very iconic scene of the Rocketeer standing with the American flag to his back, and the FBI guy. One of the FBI guys is like, "Ah, oh, man, he's getting away," and the other one goes. I don't know. Look at that. And then they pan over to Mob Boss who goes, go get him, kid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this movie was so, like, so old school, like, American nationalism, like, American exceptionalism stuff, which, like, they didn't do it in a bad way here. And it's always easy to do, to back Americans fighting, like, Nazi Germany. Like, there's Mm -hmm. no... There's no nuance required in that, right? It's like, no, we're the good guys here. Right. We, we, we are, unequivocally, the good guys here. Um, it's just so weird. Like, like you don't really see that specific thing anymore. Mm-hmm. It's so weird to see that. And it's like, thinking back to my childhood, it's like, oh, there was a lot of just blatant displays of, like, super easy stance of right. <laughs> Holocaust bad, Third Reich bad, Nazi bad. <laughs> right. And it's like... Well, yeah, no one, no one was disputing that. Yes, they're bad, and we're we were good, and we we beat them. Good, good job, everyone. We're we are still on the same page. Yes, correct. <laughs> oh man, what I'm what I'm trying to say is, if you've gotten this far and you haven't seen the movie, you have to watch the movie. <laughs> what we did fail to mention at the top of the show is that it's on Disney Plus, and that's exactly where you should watch it specifically because that is in ridiculously high definition compared to what i used to watch <laughs> true although the cgi on the flying scenes was not very good not terrible for 91 
Um, the scene where Sinclair... Okay, hang on. Everything up until that scene, not terrible. (laughs) That was really, really rough. The whole idea that that piece of gum plugged the hole on the futuristic jetpack the entire movie until he gently moves it with his thumb is just chef's kiss. Well, so there's a lot going on there, right? Because it's freshly chewed gum... That gets stuck to the pack is good luck. Right. And then it hardens. Right. And then they put it on the hole to stop it. And so the... They move it. They move it and they put it on the hole to stop up the leak, which, no. But also, even if yes, it's like hardened out and dried out now. It's not going to be like super easy to do that. And also, the pressure under which that engine would be operating would have blown it off no matter how tacky and sticky it was, right? If it's Alan Arkin rechews the gum before sticking it over the hole, does it's, that explain their relationship further or make it more confusing? Probably more confusing because they have like a mentor minty, <laughs> like big brother slash father like type of relationship to him. And if we're, if we're going to introduce a romantic aspect, I am not going to feel like I'm on solid ground on the topic. I'm um, pretty sure, or just one note that we, we failed to mention earlier on, he makes that helmet out of, I think, a radiator. Oh, was that what it was? I, I, I'm not certain, but all I know is that it was solid, solid piece of metal that he could not bend in the way that that is bent. <laughs> no, and then also he wouldn't have been able to hold his head up straight. Right. Um, but getting back to my point, they... <laughs> That would have blown the pressure that was under when it was running would have blown that off, right? Like of when it was when it wasn't running, fine. When they're running, it would have blown the gum off. But even if it didn't, he then immediately at the at the end shifts it over with his thumb uh-huh. from the plug just back onto the pack, and it's now looked like it's been freshly chewed again. Yes, as he 100%. thumbs it over to right next to the big hole. Right. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. And, oh, yes, that too. And very weird. Also, uh, if you're ever wondering who puts gum under the table, it, it's Cliff. <laughs> he's, he's putting gum everywhere. He's putting gum on I the threshold that- of the door of the dormitory where Jenny lives. He's putting it on the outside of his plane for good luck, and then it's going to crash. So maybe maybe we shouldn't use this totem each time we do something yeah. that's important. Isn't that, when we, isn't that when you're supposed to find a new one when the, oh. when the plane crashes? When you right. unluckily get shot down right. in like, <laughs> like collateral damage situation, like that's when it's like, oh, my luck has run out. Time to find my new thing. Exactly. Um, fuck, I just had something else I was going to say, though. Howard gives him a pack of gum at the end of the movie. Oh, you know, yes. No, but the gum thing. Talking about the chewing of the gum. I just heard on the radio the other day, there's a guy who, let's call him roughly your age, maybe he's 35, who said he had never chewed gum in his life. Hmm. And I was like, that doesn't, that doesn't seem likely. Like, you have to, like, try it once before you decide I don't want to do this, right? Sure. The reason was because the first time he ever came in contact with gum was when he came in contact with it under the desk. Ah. He said, Cliff, Cliff is absolutely the guy. And he said, it was like, he's like, oh, I was in elementary school. It was like first or second grade. And just, like, subconsciously, reflexively, my hand went under the desk and felt like 400 pieces of gum stuck to the bottom of it. And he goes, and on that day, I decided, never. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Uh, there's, in closing, I have one little segment to go over, and that is just a couple of one-liners that I pulled out during the movie that I 
I tucked under the line item lingo. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of lingo in this movie. The first is the one that I called you in the opening, which is a lousy nickel nurser, which I just that's thought right. was beautiful. Which but. I'm pretty sure they had to have invented that for this. There's no way that's like an actual thing people called each other about. 100%. That was ridiculous. Penny pincher is an old expression. Nickel sure. nurser? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, also, just for accuracy's sake, I looked it up and the... First appearance of the Rocketeer in comics was actually 1982, so I had that totally backwards. Oh, cool. Iron Man uh, has to come first. I do think like it influenced the visuals of the Iron Man film, though. Yes. Because um, they almost, they, they, for the most part, they got it right, and it's almost one-to-one with some of the ways that he moves himself to get through the air. But anyway, the other one that really caught my attention, uh, Chowderhead. I was a fan of that one. That one I remember, yeah, yeah. That one good. Uh, there's a scene I f- I forget who says someone says something along the lines of like I was number three or I'm number three and someone in the background mumbles under their breath number three jerk and I just think that <laughs> yeah it was perfect. it was <laughs> Neville was the one who said the first line because at the at the end oh the number three actor yes he says he goes so he said something along the lines of, I don't remember what it was but it was like. Like, either they'll have to put up with or they can't get rid of or something. Like, they can't get rid of the number three box office mm-hmm. draw or whatever. And I was like, wow, okay. Number Weird thing three, to brag about. Jerk. And then uh, here's the thing that uh, you only hear in the 90s, 30s is... <laughs> I keep thinking of that... <laughs> the, the 90s, 30s. I keep thinking of that, the John Mulaney... Um, What's it called? Sound of Music skit where he goes, oh, oh yeah, we're, we're in Austria, 1930, bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, but the line is, uh, not, at, not at any point during the movie until this scene, and then maybe 15 times in four minutes, is a pretty woman referred to as a dish. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that already, and it's funny because I heard the duh coming out of your m- mouth, and I was like, I thought you were going to say dame, and I was like, I don't Anyone calling someone Damon? No, you're right. They called him a dish, and I yeah. don't know what that means. Yeah. So there was. Uh, oh, is that like that whole thing that's like that? I guess it was probably bigger on the internet like a year or two ago. Like that this insert name of person out here looking like a snack. Like oh, like she's like a dish. I I, I would assume so. I it's got to be so. the, like the same thing, right? And the first time it happens is when they're in the uh, they're in the in the diner and the hooligans come in and they're they're tearing <laughs> up the place. And one of them finds her on a picture of her and goes, hey, guess where the dish went? <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, this is too much. <laughs> also, by the way, I, like, I, I had no idea that was Jennifer Connelly. Partially yeah. because I don't think I've ever actually really seen her in anything. I think I just know her from her picture on IMDb. Because okay. when I looked her up, I was like, yeah, I, I know this face. Like, that's a person. Like, this name, this name and face seem to go together, right? She looked nothing like that in this movie. And I realized, like, I've never really seen her in anything, so I think it's just that one picture that I have as my point of reference. You've seen Hulk. No. Really? The, the really bad one with Eric Bana? No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've seen, uh, like, ten minutes of it. Wow, I'm surprised you never saw it. I mean, it's considered to be terribly god-awful. Which is probably a reason why you should watch it. Um, we do need to talk about doing that bad movie night, like, in earnest, once everything settles down. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I probably should have done it in what we're watching and what we're listening, but I've mentioned in the past, in the last few months, that podcast Cinephobe, 
Um, yeah. I mean, Al Hassan does it with a couple other guys. Um, actually, I, he hasn't done the rule of two in a while. And I had reached out to him like a month or so ago on Twitter. And he said, oh, when I goes up, I'm going to have an episode dropping when Clone Wars starts. And it never came out or I missed it. Mm. But I'm pretty sure it never came out. And I was like, oh, that's a shame. I, I thought he was going to just do it weekly or weekly-ish. Like we do ours weekly Weekly adjacent. Yeah, weekly adjacent. Um, and then it sounded like it was going to be no more like it was going to be a, like an event series that comes around like new Star Wars content coming out or whatever, which would be cool too. You know, it's like a recurring mm-hmm. thing, whatever. Um, but they hadn't come out. But I've been listening to Cinephobe all the episodes basically that have come out in the last couple of months because they crack me up. It's a hysterical show. And one of the lines, their intro is incredible because it's a cut up of some of their first few episodes, like some of their best complaints. Mm hmm. And one of the lines in the intro is, we are watching a more highly concentrated dose of terrible movies on a weekly basis than anyone else in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I like that uh, approach to an intro. Uh, when we did the shit show, Brian actually cut up some of our lines like to do an intro like after we had been doing it for a while. And one of it ends with, like because he also made this horrendous song that went in with it. Which is just really, it's just really terrible if you ever go back and listen to it. Um, but in a great way, and but it ends with like a like a with a line from Matt where he was he was complaining about something and he was ranting and raving, and he says, "All I'm saying is I'm looking for the purge," and and it it ends the song ends with that, but it like purge purge and it like fades. <laughs> There's so many funny lines in that. There's one of them, and I think about it a lot actually when like things like this like happen or like when I'm like watching something where it's like like this is like too ridiculous to take seriously. One of the other guys, it's it's Zach uh I think Zach Harper and then I forget the other guy's name. Uh he one of them goes, He's making shit up, I mean <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I think about that a lot when like someone or something is going on and I'm like, this isn't real. You're just making that up like you there's not basing that off anything and i always just think of they're making shit up amin that's great <laughs> and amin has the best line in the whole intro where he he goes i don't i don't even know what movie he's talking about because i haven't listened to like their first like 15 or so episodes i never listened to those but their last like seven or eight of them i've listened to and he goes it's just mundane detail after mundane detail after mundane detail <laughs> <laughs> they did Wild Wild West a few weeks ago. Uh, I've actually, I was about to watch that the other night. You should listen to that one because I know that yeah. movie has a special place in its heart. It for absolutely you. does. Um, it's just a funny show because they have such a good time. They're really funny talking about these terrible, terrible movies. And I've only watched like half of the ones of the episodes I've listened to. Like, it doesn't mm. matter. Like, it's like, oh, this movie is so bad. I have no desire to watch this movie. I just want to hear you. And like, they go almost like shot for shot so it's like i feel like i've had the experience of the movie and i'll just listen to it through them and they're like cathartic like venting of what this movie did to them right um it's a good time it's the type of thing that if you're looking for something to listen to you should listen to that show because they're funny they do a good job and it's not just the movie one of the things they start off with with every episode is they go on Rotten Tomatoes and they read some of the positive reviews and some of the negative reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, they do some cool stuff at the end where, like, one of them will research, like, background of the movie, like, budget, what it made, 
how it got made, a very abbreviated version of like how it got made, like stuff like that, quotes surrounding promotional material, or if the movie was disavowed years later by someone who made it or was in it, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's a fun experience. I, That's I, cool. You know, may not be the type of show you should listen to all the time, but they did Wild Wild West a couple of weeks ago, and that was a really good episode, especially if you have any affinity for that movie. Because it is. I'll break in with that movie. I think Wild Wild West is a good bad movie. Oh yeah. Some people just claim it's a horrific movie, no, and no, I no, no, no. Can't it's a say good bad completely movie. wrong. I think it's a good bad movie. Um, it's enjoyable. It is so so bad. But in that one, they got into a lot of the details into how that movie became the final cut of it. Mm. It like it was a lot of different movies it could have been. They made a revelation that I had never thought of before uh, about the fact that all of the henchwomen's names. Uh, are probably just names that what's his name made based on one character aspect of them mm-hmm. that like Arliss Loveless came up with those names like those aren't their names because all their names are weird plays on like like their characters right like Munitia is the one with the guns mm-hmm. for instance <laughs> oh I, I remember <laughs> but I forgot that he had the one Asian henchwoman who was I think Mrs. East mm. <laughs> I totally forgot that yeah. that was one of the characters I remembered Munitia and a couple of the other ones um, and uh, and then I again I totally forgot he comes up with a name for Will Smith when he's doing the belly dancing mm-hmm. is it Abonia <laughs> like Ebony yep. Yep. <laughs> I totally forgot that he came up with a name for her in that scene Oh, but that episode was a good time. Uh, just a, a quick circle back. You have seen Jennifer Connelly in something else because we saw Alita Battle Angel. I know. That's the only thing. And I totally forgot even that she was in that movie. And she was the voice of Suit Lady in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, but I didn't see her in that. <laughs> I heard her in that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you have any more notes on this movie? No. I have one more, have one more note on this movie. It hit me. They go on that date. Yeah. Sinclair takes... Jenny, was that her name? Mm-hmm. Jenny on the date. Mm-hmm. The date takes over, uh, it's over the course of a very long amount of screen time because they keep cutting back to and from it, right? And everything goes to shit. What's his name? Cliff shows up to the thing to try and rescue her, mm-hmm. fails at rescuing her. Well, he does get her out of the building, but then she comes back into the building. He's flying around, fucking everything up. Yep. He ends up escaping. She gets caught inside of there by... Sinclair chloroforming her. Right. Why does he have chloroform with him? He was on a date with her. Mm-hmm. Why does he have chloroform? Because he's a rapist. Yeah, so that was immediately, <laughs> and this was not long. He's a Nazi. Before, he's all bad. Before I gave in and like had to go to bed and like leave the last 20 minutes or so for the movie, I was like, why does he have fucking chloroform on him on this date? It is super fucking rapey. How did this happen? How did we let this happen? Oh god, when he's uh, when Cliff like that was just in his pocket. Uh, in in the I, I mentioned earlier that I think him and Pierce Brosnan are the same person. When when Cliff is putting the soup in the in the in the soup bowl, I don't know where I was what I was trying to figure out there. That's where you put the soup. When he's putting the soup in the soup bowl. <laughs> I was I was praying. I know it wasn't going to happen because the movie came out after the fact, and they're not the same person. But I was pe- praying for Cliff to yell "Hot Jambalaya" as he walked away. <laughs> I almost just choked to death on Al's ales. Now, admittedly, there are worse ways to go, but I almost just choked to death on Al's ales. 
Um, oh boy. Well, I I'm still hung up on this Dalton Brosnan thing because I think yeah. they're they may be on opposite ends of the Bond spectrum. Mm. Mm. Like, or they may be the same person. Mm. Well, first of all, I also think that like Timothy Dalton might be like a foot taller than Pierce Brosnan. Not a foot, but like he's pretty tall. I don't. I never got the impression that Pierce Brosnan was tall. Mm. He's taller than Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig's short. Mm-hmm. But I think I don't know. It's between Dalton and, and Roger Moore, who was the tallest of the Bonds, right? Because both of them are pretty tall. There's only one way to get to the bottom of this. Is there a movie that the two of them are in together? Could you imagine multiple Bonds in one movie? The, the universe just implodes on itself. <laughs> It'd be too much. You can't do it. Wait, are all the Bonds actually the same person? Hmm. We had like five or six different Bond actors, but yet somehow they're all the same person. They are yes. all the same person. The James Bond. Right. Um, yeah. I mean. It'd be, it would be cool. It would have been cool if they did something at some point with all the Bonds in some... Even if it was in, like, some little spoof, like, commercial or sketch or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that would I mean? probably be a good SNL skit. I mean, like, Roger Moore passed a few years ago, um, but the rest of them are all still alive. I know Sean Connery hasn't done anything in the public eye in, like, 15 years, mm-hmm. but um, he's still around. I... Assume George Lazenby's still alive, but I don't know that for a fact. Right. Um, wasn't there that guy in that original Casino Royale too? I don't even remember which one of them it was. Oh, was it Peter Sellers. That sounds right. Let's see if I could pull that up. Uh, Peter Sellers. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me. Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. I'm <laughs> not me. I'm confused by this. I looked him up. Uh, looked up the movie. I don't. Did you ever see that Casino Royale? No. I don't. the The title card says "Is too much for one James Bond." Um, but anyway, he's casted as Evelyn Tremblay, and then in parentheses, James Bond. I'm guessing one of those was a fake name he gives. <laughs> Maybe that's pretty funny that it's like that important that it is put up. Well, okay, but then somebody down the line, there's Agent Mimi, and then in parentheses, it says Alias Lady Fiona. Ah, I don't know. Mm. Are we finding out that James Bond is just the other part of the 007 code name, and they have been different people this whole time? Oh, there's a Jekyll <gasps> Hyde thing going on. And Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan are the same person. <laughs> First of all, one of them keeps a mustache, and the other one does not. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. That's that's your argument. Ridiculous. I mean, it's not a good one. That's all for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in a Six at SpinTune.com or tweet us at the SpinTune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Bielsi. Thanks for coming out. I remember I remembered the wife's name out of nowhere. I, like it it just like came to. Yeah, I would remember the last name because there was a whole bit about it in the fourth one, but I never would have remembered her first name. Hans Bubby. <laughs> Bubby. <laughs> <laughs>